Welcome back to another episode of TCP here with episode number 193, Playoffs Edition, for real this time, as we just had our first day of Playoffs matches concluded. So we've seen all eight teams now. Um, we got all our opening four matches done and dusted. By the time you hear this episode, I mean, it could be at any point. You you could be watching this after day number two of the playoffs where you already know what the day two results are. Obviously, uh, at the time of recording, we haven't seen the day two results yet. So a little bit of speculation ahead. You might be watching this even further along than that. So, um, you know, hopefully, no matter what point you tune in here, the content will still be relevant as we kind of think about what's going to happen for some of these teams moving forward. And hey, it'll be kind of fun in a way where, you know, we'll be kind of speculating on on what's happening to these teams. And then you actually listen to you like, but wait a minute, so-and-so already got eliminated, which should be quite interesting. Very true. Hopefully we give good reasons as to why they might um, or why they might, you know, advance. Hopefully we can get some some info in there because I think this uh, these these first few matches are pretty telling, but we'll we'll get into that. You just wait. Answered a few good questions just in terms of like where mm-hmm. everyone's at. So I'm keen to get into that. But as usual, you know, yeah, there is a bunch of other news topics, a bunch of other th- stuff that actually happened over the course of the last week. So um, you're gonna have to scroll down to the description to zoom straight past that if yep. you want to get right deep into the actual match discussions for the playoffs. So uh, look for the timestamps as we'll be looking at now some of the other stuff that happened, including uh, MVP awards finally announced where we're going to spend five to 10 minutes patting each other on the back and doing a bit of circle jerk about how we were all so correct about it. Um, I'm sure we're all going <laughs> to really enjoy that. And um, yeah, I think you two else? are the only ones that were like perfect. Hmm. I don't. I voted it. for somebody who wasn't even on the ballot. Yeah, I know. Oh. I don't know why you did that. Uh, you know, you know just respect, to make a statement. You know, I just to let everybody know. But you know, uh, sometimes I, had me, I just want to win. I just want to win. <laughs> Much like my pickums this week, I just want to win. So I just did all the picks that gave right me highest chance of winning. Yeah, uh, which is how I kind of how, how I conduct myself through. I mean, that's how I vote. Also- I can't vote for a loser in the upcoming German election, right? Like you, sure. you like you won't be on. Don't want to be on a losing team. So you gotta vote for the MVP you think will most likely be MVP. Not what you actually I'm think. Terrified. I, that is. That's a scary what is, thought. What is MVP in Germany? Most valuable politician. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we also had um, what like the roster roster construction rules announced mm. officially by the league as well for 2022, which is quite interesting. I want to dive into that and beyond that as well. We have upcoming into. The final day of playoffs, the grand finals, an Overwatch 2 show match, and some additional rework information, mm. um, and some previews of, of what Bastion, I guess, looks like. That was what was a, a, a initially said. Well, who knows if there's any more than that? Likely there won't be more than that, but it'll be pretty interesting regardless. So let's kick it off now. Episode 193, brought to you guys, our lovely patrons here. Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Bot Buham. Char 8, Chris R34444, Frodino, Hunter Tain, Porkchop Sammy, Cassius 67, Lotion, Rex Zane, Vol Melon, Sugar High, Wilmer D, Your Misery. A special shout out to uh, Porkchop Sammy, who also dropped by my co stream day number one as well. Thank you for that. But, gentlemen, let's get into topic number one here. So, we had what is essentially, I think, um, one of the more exciting things to look forward to. And this kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. And it just got dropped on uh, out of the blue. Official Play Overwatch channel as well, in terms of where the news hit. 
you get aaron keller on the video saying hey we got some goodies lined up for you guys and ends up being a bit of an incentive to tune into the grand finals which is always a good thing Mm. and that is going to be the fact that there's new overwatch 2 information some more stuff's been dropping you've been paying attention to kind of overwatch socials anyway or you've been paying attention to the subreddits or maybe even a little bit on twitter um andy b the community manager had already been dropping some news about um potential things that the development team on team four were looking at Mm. and some uh, design philosophies in terms of why certain decisions were being made or looking to be made or why other things weren't being done so there's been a bit of an increase in communication from team four to the general public now it's, it's not in the scene it's not in the sense of like big announcements officially just small communications to the direct audience and now we're getting something a little bit more direct to a wider audience on an official broadcast and we're going to get the show match. We're getting the Sombra and Bastion rework information and Bastion's new look. Yeah, I think this is uh, kind of a wish list topic, if I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't think they were ever going to do this. I, this was something that I was, like, hoping for. I was hoping that Activision Blizzard would start to use the, the, the platform. I won't comment on how big or small it is, but they, they've built a platform. We've seen them use it in the past with some of their PvE content for Overwatch 1 which was really cool. Even somebody who uh, couldn't care less about the PVE side of things. I was, you know, interested at the very least. I, I, you know, I got to see the skins. They got to talk about some of the lore, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was kind of cool. Like the way that they activated it was, was kind of sick. Um, I'm very over the moon with this decision. I think it's incredibly smart. Um, like you said, it incentivizes people. It, it's, you know, a, a great you know, place outside of like BlizzCon, right? It's another stage for you to kind of have this content drip feed. Um, it's a great place to announce maybe a beta, right? Um, which maybe we can get into with the, the roster building rules. But um, yeah, like you said, there's there's some support things going on in, in the blue post that we've seen. That definitely could be what uh, what we see in the, the show match. It's, it's definitely possible. I'm kind of excited to see maybe a, some Sojourn gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's going to be super dope. Um, is she even going to be in there? I I would guess, if I'm going to be honest. Yo, I don't think she would. Th- this, is, this is my problem with this thing, right? Like, it's like, okay. imagine you're a, like, you're a living thing that just lives in the ocean, right? And you okay. look at this human and you go, what the fuck are legs, bro? Why would you need legs, bro? Like, mm-hmm. they don't do shit in water. They're subpar in swimming. And this is, mm-hmm. like, without knowing the environment of land, I have no fucking idea how useful legs are. I don't know For how sure. useful the re- rework of Bastion uh, thingy will be without the context of everything else. Why does it have to be utility, though? Can't it just be fun? That's not what Can't games are for. Can it just be entertaining? <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> we we understand where you're coming from. Very good. Yes. No, I I think of course it's nice to see something. It's yeah. just it sounds so little. It sounds like the tiniest bite. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I know where I... that comes from, but I I think they they've if I had to guess, I think there are going to be such drastic shifts that it's going to really shake up how we think about. You know, okay, well, that actually, that seems kind of pushed. You know, there, there's actually, there's, yeah, I, I think it's bigger than what you're expecting. 
Yes, girl, I got one thing for you. Here's one thing, because uh, you're not wrong. While I was reading out that list, I'm like, it's not a very long list, is it? It's like yeah. three things. But here's one thing. You have to read between the lines here. The subtext of what it actually is, is in the show match itself, they're playing, I don't know what, what build it is. I don't, know, I don't know if it's their current development build or if it's an older build, or who, who really knows at the end of the day. They're playing some version of the build. Mm. And here's something that's going to be shown that we've never seen before is that whatever reworks they've actually done up until that stage is probably in that build. And so when a player picks that hero and it's like, I'm on the X or Y hero, whatever, we actually get to see the hero. And if it's something like D.Va that we've never seen before yeah. in any of the previous content for PvE, then that's going to be the first time we get to see what D.Va's rework is, as an example. And that applies to every single hero, assuming that those the reworked and um up-to-date build or whatever version of that hero is going to be available to the players now i could be wrong and they could literally just be playing on some extremely old build of overwatch mm. 2 where not a lot has actually been reworked at all and they're just playing everything's how it is in overwatch 1 it's just like a clone of overwatch 1 with maybe a few tanks being reworked in that set which would not actually make for a good experience i i think blizzard would be smart team 4 would be really smart to provide more of a updated build closer to yeah. where where they're at now and then uh because that would actually give a better preview of what the game actually is because most people there's a couple of questions that need to be answered and i think it's smart to put the pros in there is one what does 5v5 actually look like and two what does that look like especially in the hands of like the world's best players mm. um because i think a lot of people are still a little trepidatious about 5v5 they don't really trust yeah. it they think it's it's kind of like you know do we really need this it's it's kind of an unnecessary thing. Maybe it's forced. Um, is it going to ruin Overwatch? How you know? How is it going to play without a second tank? All these kind of questions. And that being answered is important. And mm. I don't think you could satis. You, you are not going to get a satisfactory answer from that if you're playing on a super old build of Overwatch Two without the rework. Because then you're just you might as well just be playing Overwatch One, where you only have ten people in the lobby and you pick one tank. That, that might as well be what you play. What's the difference? So. My the thing is, speculation is that they'll play an updated build. But we will not get the the real Overwatch 2 experience, though. Because, well, of course. like, it, it, just think of the game pre and post break. Yeah. How fucking different is that game? So now, if we are getting up to six heroes, which we allegedly would, we have no uh, different information since the guy said in 2019 that we will be okay. above 40 heroes. And I assume they just kept developing heroes while not releasing them for life. So I don't know if there's a break, transform break level transformational hero in there that makes the context of everything I'm seeing completely irrelevant or much, much different in a different light. But maybe my diva now needs 15 seconds of Matrix in order to like keep up with the shit what some DPS hero might be throwing at him mm -hmm. or transformationally changing about the game relevant thing to think about because we don't you don't know we don't know what the new heroes are going to be anyway it's like kind of pointless to think about those things in a way where yeah i mean my concern is the messaging of this like i now assume overwatch 2 at pvp if we just get the tiny bits of reworks like think about the 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 work required to just probably switch that one thing on like what's what is that kind of build are we going to have more and more like trickle more things trickled into the build every single time 
and then it, there isn't actually that much volume in terms of uh, Overwatch 2 PvP, and we don't get these six additional heroes, and like maybe we don't even get the uh, new game mode at launch, and maybe we don't even have push when we start Overwatch 2. Like, I don't know, like the, the pace of how they are showing this to us makes me think there's not as much content in the PvP portion as I assumed there would be. I think they're being very careful about yes. what they want to show because unfortunately, and this is the way with all game development, is whatever you end up showing, people take that at face value as a final product. So if you, right. show, if you show Sojourn now or whatever other new hero, everyone's going to be like, okay, what does she do? Yep, that's her, locked in, done. That's the yeah. that's release, that's final product. That's your 1.0 now, boom, done. And no matter how much you say, no, 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 it's, it's, it's alpha, it's pre-alpha, it's beta, no, no. People just can't, use their brains to realize that that is not the final product. They will just like, they can't help it. They just like, that's the final product. That's what we're getting. Mm. Um, and so developers have to be super careful about what they can and can't show, yeah. which is why I'm even like not entirely sure that all the reworks are going to be there because they, they might not be fully sold on some of them themselves internally. So they might be still holding back on some of the reworks because they don't want to show something they don't want to, that they can't promise. Yep. Uh, well, they don't want to make a promise they can't keep. So. I'd be I'd be interested to see some of the support changes. Um, I think they've been very um, strategic in who they talk about. You know, having Brig, you know, comments out there about you know what she has, what she doesn't have. Um, you know, what Sombra and what Bastion may or may not look like. I think those are going to be the focal points. Um, I'm of the opinion that I, I I kind of assumed Sojourn was ready for testing. If that makes sense, like ready to be beta tested. So I so kind of there's a difference be there. between ready to be beta tested, which I'm sure she is, right. versus ready to be shown to the world. Because yeah. here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of other tidbit that was uh, not a part of the official official announcement, but part of John Spector's tweets, which is that players and teams who are knocked out of playoffs have will have access to Overwatch and they can just start playing it in Hawaii now. Um, so by tomorrow so by the, the date of the recording is that we just finished day one of playoffs by the sec end of the second day of playoffs when the first two teams are eliminated those two teams can just start booting just up overwatch, overwatch 2 and, and having a ball and they can just stay in yep. hawaii for the rest of the week and have play as much overwatch 2 as they wanted um and whatever version they play on maybe maybe sojourn is there like privately i wouldn't be surprised privately i'm, I'm sure the sure. testers have access to everything they can play all the, the six to eight whatever new heroes is available possible yeah that doesn't mean team four want to show them now that doesn't mean team yeah. four are ready to reveal that to public Mm. Yeah, I mean, could be I so. wouldn't hate that either. Uh, I that makes that makes a lot more sense. Um, maybe I'm wishing for too much. I think it would be very exciting. I think that would draw a lot of eyes. I think that would do some some good PR to see you know the new hero or a new hero, um, especially one that you know, I think so many people have been. You know. I think it's right to be cautious because I think whatever if oh, you course. if you show it and then you change it, people get upset. I think I mean I'm um, I'm attacking this from the perspective of I didn't even expect this to happen. So this anything extra is anything what you know I, a, a demo is is extra credit for me. I'm also of the belief that like basically if they were going to reveal something like that, they would have said they would have said, and also sure. we're yeah, going to be revealing Sojourn. They would have announced that. Very good. Um, because it's like kind of weird that they would just r surprise put that into you. like, oh, by the way, here's Sojourn. Like, no, that's a big yeah. deal. No, they would tell you about that. I, I also um, would. I, I also would have loved for that to be part of the Overwatch League finals, though. That would have been sick. You know, just like in terms of hero. to reveal a hero. That's a big draw. I mean, yeah. like yeah. we saw I mean, the difference in in attention this got on on the different fan bases. Like. Yeah. 
competitive Overwatch, the subreddit, was like top one, like most uh, most talked about topic, several hundred uh, comments. Nobody gives a flying fuck on the Overwatch uh, main subreddit. They don't care yeah. literally I mean, about I, the I first. That. <laughs> yeah, about the first uh, footage of uh, um, Overwatch Two shown to them in a long time. And why? Is it not enough information there? Is it because esports is attacked, uh, attached to it and therefore it's less interesting? It doesn't make sense. Like usually even a casual crowd should care about this unless they deem this not to be enough exciting they information. Were. They were. I think they've, I don't know. And you have to, there needs to be a bigger marketing push to reach them. I think, mm. yeah, I think the, unfortunately the r slash Overwatch reach is actually fucking tiny. It's something like 2 million subs there. But the regular users there is about the same as competitive Overwatch Reddit. Mm. The two subreddits have roughly the same amount of active users at any at any point. But there's like again two million users on the main Reddit, and there's not there's only I don't even know if there's six figures worth on the uh, on the competitive Reddit. But um, yeah, all I can say is like you know not to turn this. There's two hundred seventy eight thousand members on the on the competitive Reddit, so there's ten times the amount of users on the on the main Reddit compared to the competitive one. But um, I think that that whatever that says a lot about people's actual interest in viewing that Reddit, because I think so many people have realized it's complete garbage that they've just left. And so all that's left are people that want to view complete garbage. And so you just get into a, a, a feedback cycle, this echo chamber of viewing complete crap. Um, but this isn't, this isn't meant to be some sort of like commentary on the r slash Overwatch Reddit, yeah. I'm sure. It's not a surprise, and everyone agrees it's it's just complete ass. It really is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th yeah, sure. More information would have been a big draw. More information would have drawn more people in. Um, but I don't doubt that's going to come. I, the most exciting part for me is that more players are getting access to this, yep. which means there's going to be more more uh more play testing, more feedback, and that's again something that the league desperately needs. It's not the league, sorry, but the the game, the development of the game, desperately yeah. needs to be able to make informed decisions about what needs to happen in the game uh, to make hopefully a good game. I mean, and beyond that as well, uh, just having the pros play in a show match mm -hmm. to see what the game can do when it's being limit tested by really good players, I think is also really important as well, and it's uh, something I'm looking forward to. I mean, it's pretty safe to assume that. Players give feedback in terms of balance and have a direct, uh, especially like a, s a specific. It, and I'm not talking strictly like about Overwatch 2 beta, but also like mm. Overwatch Live. That they there are certain select players who've shown enough maturity and smarts about balance that those players are able to contribute towards the future of Overwatch in a meaningful way, while also God, shutting up about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my last, you know, my last point on this um, definitely is I hope they continue to do this. I hope this sets a precedent for finals in the future or just for stages in the future um, for team, you know, team four, whoever you want to, you know, Blizzard, team four, Activision, Blizzard, whatever you want to call them, uh, the parents of this game uh, to really start to utilize and, and market this game um, in a modern way. I think we can create some festival like uh atmospheres around our finals and our events and our tournaments and and giving you know call it exclusive little sneak peeks on things that they have under works or maybe even teasers would be really cool and i i hope to see them continue to do this let's say that 
So any particular wish list uh, as we move on from this topic? Anything in, in extra about, you know, uh, what you'd like to see? Obviously, don't just bring up like, oh, I want, I, you want to see Sojourn being revealed and everything right, like that. Yeah. Within the scope of what they said they'll show, mm. you know, what are, what are you guys really want out of it? Like, what do you want to achieve out of this one? Because I'll, I'll start by saying that, like, if they were, and I know that I'm, I'm kind of cheating here because I'm breaking my own rule slightly. I'm half breaking the rule, but sure. I would like it if they had maybe some sort of announcement of an announcement during this thing where they said, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you know, beyond this, our yes. next thing is going to be at this date, and we're going to do yep. this. We're going to make another thing map. here, or uh, or fuck it, a beta date. I'm not. They're not going to yeah. do that. Let's be honest. They're not going to give us a beta date. But one one can dream. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, that that'd be what I want to see. Agreed. Um, I hope that a lot of the show matches probably push, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I want to see what pros kind of start with on that game type, how they start to play it, what they start to play on it, um, how they, and this is just from, yeah, if, if this is my wish list, I hope it's literally just like a top-down camp. I really don't want to see POV, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh-oh. I want to see them. Uh-oh. I want to see them flank. If if the internal tests say that they're flanking, I want to see this replicated. Okay, Joe, we can do. You can do both. It's, it's not like all POV or all top down. Listen, it's my wish list. Camera. I, I, I want know. a mini map. Yes, I, I I would. Oh, you don't want a mini map. No, I would you know exclusively I mean. like, consume Overwatch over mini map. Oh right. Yes. You want to? Sorry, was that? Okay. I would exclusively consume Overwatch over mini map if it was possible, and I did for the most part when the. Uh, group, no, sorry, the oh, you mean um, like the all access the pass, pass, the all access pass had it for a while. I don't know. It's just like I'm not, a, I'm not about screen clutter. Personally, screen clutter not a not a good thing. Um, I'm just shitting on your wish list, Joe. That's what I'm here that's to fine. do. Hey, that's all right. I you're you're sitting on my lap. I'm Santa Claus, and you're like, I want a red truck, and I'm like, no. You get a subway no, sandwich can't. and get the fuck off my lap. And a coal if you're lucky. Piece that's of coal. Right. Um, look. If Bullshit. if you guys are Santa Claus, and of course I am the Grinch, and uh, like what I'm Avril said is sure. literally the only positive thing for me personally that cannot come out of this, because I I know what first tries of professional players look like. It will be nothing like what we will eventually play oh, when they're watching. That's not interesting to me. I don't care, and I don't care for the little tiny like is there anything more boring than a Bastion w- rework, dude? Like I think, oh, you can't do. You can't sleep on the Bastion rework. No, nah. that's actually really important because Bastion's one of the most like contentious characters ever mm-hmm. released in Overwatch in terms of like the love slash hate for him. There's probably more hate to be fair. He's just an incredible. How about apathy? Here. Like, huh? How how about complete apathy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're allowed to not care about it. It's just, it's just like I think it's important that they they actually yeah. make this hero like usable and not interesting trash i mean yeah yeah i don't know Um, like i think the scope of whatever like they would have said if there was more interesting stuff they would have said so the scope that they said i i'm not sure if i will even tune in to be honest like it's just you will shut up no honestly like (laughs) it's not really that interesting Iska pretends he's not going to tune yeah. in. He's I'm not tuning in. He's tuning in. If it's between matches or whatever, like I'll be around for sure. But um, I don't know. Otherwise, it's not the type of content that's interesting to Surely me. Surely it's in the pre-show. Surely it's in the pre-show before the match starts. Oh. 
I was assuming it was going to be like after. No, bro, I, okay. Joe's never, never. Hey, you, you lack broadcast experience. You think it's gonna be after? You never <laughs> yeah. do content after. Yeah. Because after the game is over, everyone leaves. Yeah. yeah. That's you what do I was it kind of afraid of. the game. Yeah. And no, doing hopefully. it. Hopefully. Hopefully. Eric is saying maybe in the game break, and here's my problem with that. Ooh. How long is a show match going to be? Because you're doing like yeah. a full map of gameplay in between a grand final where it's already a BO. Then I'm getting mad. So at that stage, yeah, we just I'd added be, another map be to be able to, we've extended the grand finals. Like, that's not a good thing. No. You don't want to have another map of a different game in the middle of your damn grand finals. No, you don't. Um, the best time to do this would be before the finals of the pre-show, and then you do the damn thing. Like we've had for every pre-show, for all these Hawaii tournaments yeah. when we've had the talent takedown, the goofy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. 1v1s for 10k, that's with yeah, all I will that be kind full. of stuff. We've done all that pre-show. Yeah. I hope so. I certainly hope so. That makes the most sense. To, from a broadcast perspective, that makes the most sense does indeed um so yeah it's pretty straight it should be pretty straightforward to me but um i i mean i get what you're saying like yes obviously the gameplay is not going to be representative of the gameplay on release but also you know what the gameplay on release is not going to be representative of the gameplay six months after that nor is going to be representative of the gameplay six months after that so that, that point's a little moot to me i don't really care about that i i want to see the game as it is now because talking about like, well, that's not going to be representative of this is like, well, that's just never true. Because the next thing in the future is always going to be, is always going to supersede the thing before that. So we just, it, yeah, just, we're never catching up. But it's like, not going to be a competitive environment. It's I also don't watch streams. They're inherently uninteresting to me in Overwatch. Like I don't care I for non-competitive sure, environments. That's different than a first, another look at a game that we at the same game with three about. tweaks and one less tank that nobody really knows how will we play it. I don't know. Like, it, it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not watching StarCraft 2 played by... Like, that's another thing that I didn't do. Like, I, I was there, actually, when StarCraft 2 was had the first competition mm -hmm. with Madfrog against um, yeah. uh, TLO. Mm -hmm. Had lunch. I didn't care. I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not something that's interesting. Fair. We'll see. I have a funny feeling you'll be watching it, but... He's gonna be watching. He's 100% nah, watching. The re okay, here's the, the safe reason why I can say that I probably won't, because I can pre-sleep for the final, because it's at 3 a.m. in Europe again, right? Like, I'll just... Yeah, but you're not going to, though. Let, let's be honest. You're, you're going back to the vlog and you're watching. Even if you miss yeah, it so... live, you're going back and watching. No, yeah. You will. Um... Well, it's going to be a very interesting see, show, and we try to bring it up and you talk about it. You're like, I don't know, man. It's like, because I, I, and here's the other thing is like, people will be like, oh, I don't really care about the summer. It's like, in a way, you do, because just seeing that uh, is going to give you a good indication of the design philosophy of what Team 4 are trying to do with, yeah. with not just the tank reworks, I mean, but the DPS reworks taking away CC. I, unless someone tells me like there's interesting stuff, which could, could that's, that I will say is totally possible that. They completely undersold whatever they're go going to show off. Or they didn't, and I just don't see the complexities of whatever they said that will be shown. But right now, if it's the same maps, even if it's a push map, pretty much know what the push map's layout is. I don't think there will be anything interesting in terms of like, it doesn't matter if they are flanking right now or not. Sure. I don't know. Um, also, John? Yeah. I you mentioned push. Yeah, you mentioned push, and I actually would prefer it if they didn't play push. Now the reason for that okay. is because I want a more direct one-to-one -one comparison on a map I that I already know yeah. about what 
you know what five five looks like on that compared to six v six. I I would prefer mm-hmm. that personally for me. I don't hate that, but um, I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't really have much much more to talk about on this. Um, except that I'll be very keen to see what the hell's going on. Yeah, I'm excited. And, How excited um, are you guys? Like from a scale of one to ten, like a solid seven and a half. Dude, I'm like out of ten. I'm not gonna lie. Really? I, I just. Yeah, because I just want to see stuff. I just really want Agreed. to see content, like yep. anything. Like, give me breadcrumbs. Like, dude, I'm like, I, I'm like Oliver Twist outside, you know, the 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 shopping glass window on Christmas Eve, and I'm I'm begging to get in. And I'm just, <sighs> just, <sighs> just trying to like see what's whatever's inside. Like, can I have some of that turkey? And I'm just a hungry mm. boy outside, mm. um, trying to catch a whiff of any any food and imagine eating it. Um, I. I really want to see what's what's going on because um, to me it'll be I know what I want I know what I'm getting out of it in terms of what I want to get out of it mm. and I think what I'm trying to get out of it is a little bit more subtle in terms of reading between the lines rather than just like well how well, let me see a hero let me see the new map like it's that's a little bit that like straight in your face stuff I care about but I more care about just like the the, the more subtext these kind of stuff where pros play against each other and I want to see the 5v5 interaction between good players. That's what do, I actually care about. Here's another question. Do we think that they're going to have like a little interview segment with like members of the team or maybe the developers? I have a like it, it would be very weird to me to just see like a show match and then they that's so. just it. I would assume that it would be somebody like Uber with Aaron Keller and the, yeah. they're not casting it. But Uber's just, just sitting there about talking it. about the game, and he's asking Aaron questions about the game. Yeah, that, I mean, I that's, that's what, I think it's going to be compliment, man. Like Mr. X was last time they announced the five v five. It was Mr. X, right? So yeah, I Which think makes sense. That's yeah, gonna and I think that's that's going to be the big like density of information is like. Yes. What is actually I talked that. about? Where's? Well, that's sure. I would assume that's probably. Part we of we already knew you were watching. You didn't have to. Yeah. Say no, that. I, I'm really not watching the gameplay. Bro, you're gonna, you're Unless gonna shoot Unless my work pants. makes me, I won't. You're gonna, you're I'm gonna not trying to be like a... Why? When Bastion turns into an airplane for his ult and calls in an AC-130 strike <laughs> through walls, okay? Like, you're gonna want... You're gonna be excited. For when Valorant, re- switching re- through that. When Overwatch, that. Reveals, <laughs> when Overwatch 2 reveals kill streaks and one of them is Bastion flying yeah, through the air, exactly. you're gonna want to see it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're gonna tune nine. in. You're gonna click the clip. Bro, if we're getting anything remotely as exciting, their marketing of this event sucks donkey. It does. Like, that's fine, and we can get into that, but you're going to watch it anyway, so that's all we're it, really it's arguing. It's clear that the entire marketing for Overwatch 2 has been pretty poopy. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's, not a, that's not a hot take, so... No. Um, they can only go up from here. That's, we're, we're down. We're, we're in a pretty deep ditch here. We can only get better. We can only move up. I don't know, dude. Right, speaking of moving up and moving forward... There's um, so many people that... that we, Sorry, recently just like jump shipped. I- I'm just like, are they getting getting out of, out of the way to not be associated with disappointment? Is that what's going on? That is an extremely negative view. Of yeah, it. I'm a cynical and asshole, I'm and I mean, trying, I'm a more so recently. I'm the realest dude out there. I'm a I'm a, I'm the realest motherfucker out there. Trust me, I'm grounded as shit. Right. <laughs> I still go. got my glass half full here. I still got my glass half full right. on this one. Um, and maybe that glass gets emptied a bit if I if what I see on the grand finals day I don't like, mm-hmm. then first of all people are gonna hear about it. Second of all, it's just like man that would that would empty my glass of milk pretty quick. So <laughs> uh, I don't mess around. Look, I'm I'm fair I'm fair both ways. You know I call it how it is. I call the shots um, with as with as much truth as possible. 
and I'm not I'm not gonna be sitting there with my copy. If it's actually bad, I'm not gonna be sitting there with my copy. I'm like, it's fine, guys, with the house on fire. Uh, if right. it's, if it's actually bad, I will say it's bad. Trust me, I'll be the first one to say it's bad. So, um, moving forward to next topic here. So we also had some um quite direct information about roster construction for next year. So mm. roster construction rules were announced, and obviously this is a tie into some Overwatch. Two stuff. So we start with the Overwatch Two conversation first, and as the Overwatch League season comes to a close, uh, we re- the, the, some dates were released about what was going to start happening. So September the twenty sixth, which is I believe one day after the grand finals, teams may begin submitting player trades for a league office review. All player trades are subject to the league office approval prior to becoming effective. Teams may also continue working on extending or otherwise signing their current players to standard contracts. That October the second deadline by which teams must exercise any options they may hold to extend existing player contracts. That's October nine. This is an important one. Players whose contracts expired after twenty twenty or one season become free agents. So pretty much by the start of October, the first week or so of October, we're already getting into free agency. October ten, which is one day after, teams may begin signing free agents to contracts for the twenty twenty two season. So we have a period of time where teams explore extensions for certain players first and then we get into the whole free agency thing then after october the next deadline is january the third deadline for all teams to have a minimum of five players signed to season-long contracts for the 2022 season and the final deadline is march the first for next year deadline for all teams to have a minimum of six players signed to season-long contracts for the 2022 season and yes that means the minimum amount of players on your roster must be six i think the maximum is still held at 12 but there's also been a minimum salary increase from fifty thousand US dollars to fifty thousand seven hundred US dollars to reflect the cost of living adjustment based on global inflation rates. So that's the spark notes of uh, what we're looking at. Does this not scream like end of year beta? Like maybe announcement of announcement for beta at the finals? I feel like yeah. this is very yeah. much in between the lines. That's if you read between the lines. If you enjoy reading between the lines, like I do, mm-hmm. that that's the thing. Like. I, I treat something like, okay, these roster construction rules don't mean much without the knowledge of when teams will get access to Overwatch 2. Mm. Now, there are a lot of different ways you can play this as a general manager this season, right? You can just secure the best Overwatch 1 talent out, out of contenders if you want to restock or see what, what other teams are dropping. I think people will once again be surprised what kind of bombshells will hit free agency. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. From from an Overwatch one standpoint, but how confident are you that these guys are going to hold up an Overwatch two? Now you could say, well, it doesn't really matter. Like my employment doesn't really depend on that. I did made the best decision with the information available at the time. I would argue, like if you move too quickly and then it turns out that you had more time to build a team later on and you didn't actually install contracts that have have the ability to cancel players that you picked up uh, within uh, 30 days so you can Mm. move towards like whatever new information is coming out or who's going to is popping off or whatever um then adds on you as well but yes like beyond what we need in order to make sense of these dates there are definitely implications here and it, it isn't like i don't want to be a general manager in this climate at the moment uh, if you don't know when when you're getting access to the client and, and what the ex- access entails because like for instance one sensible thing would be that you get the ability to to get accounts of overwatch 2 to players that aren't 
necessarily Overwatch players because you want to recruit mm. outside of Overwatch. And you want to also recruit outside of Overwatch with contenders players that have extensive practice on, on that stuff. So, like, who's getting keys? Is everyone? Is it going to be an open thing? Is Are teams able to have, like, 100 keys or accounts on top and just, like, give them to their uh, pool that they want to develop? That's kingmaking, by the way, big time. I hope that's not how, how it goes. I hope we just get an open thing and everyone can, like in, in pretty open tournaments, can fight for the best and then we have a clearer view um, who to select. But, like, everything else feels so unsatisfying. Like, if imagine, right? So, I think January 5th, the, the roster uh, window for five players closing there implies, or, I mean... If I'm a GM, if I don't have access to running trials on Overwatch 2 by late November, boy, I'm pissed. Like, how am I supposed you to do my October, job? October, actually. Yes. Because free agency starts October, yeah. so I mean, yeah. November's ideally, already late. The earliest possible date is ideal, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the, the little breadcrumbs where I'm thinking, okay, none of this makes sense in terms of like what they want to show us. Unless they drop a data on our heads or go like, oh, you can go into a Battle Lake client and download Overwatch 2 PvP right now. Also, by the way, free to play. We completely undersold whatever it is. Hopefully, everyone tunes in very quickly into the Grand Final stream without, with like pretty bad marketing surrounding that. And we probably left like 500k viewers on the table mm -hmm. that we could have otherwise had. I, I don't see them being this bad at messaging. So, I, like, it's pretty. Uh, there's pretty different or like contradictory um, ways this is communicated here. And uh, unfortunately, one of them will probably have to make way. Meaning either the marketing was not on point or we're oh. not getting the beta in time or these timing windows are completely mismatched. Right? Actually, there's a, there is a world where both match up where you, because we're talking about beta here, uh, there could be a closed beta. I don't. This might just be not the the correct the right. verbiage. Maybe there's the developer out there that's listening, and be like, "Oh my god, they're butchering this. They're calling it a beta, all this kind of crap." I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a pre pre alpha, closed alpha, whatever it is. There's a testing build. My expectation is that there will be a testing. This is pure speculation from me. I don't actually have sure. any inside info. I don't know anything. Yep. My speculation is that by October there will be some sort of internal build available to the teams for testing and trialing purposes now there's no way this is going to be public there's no way the the general public gets access to this has any chance to get access to this likely in my opinion the general public probably won't even touch anything overwatch 2 related in terms of their own hands until no shit maybe blizzcon blizzcon line like the day after blizzcon line the, the best i promise you the best marketing push that team form blizzard can do is to announce an overwatch 2 beta immediately after blizzcon line so blizzcon line happens boom betas this week guys sign up now put your email address in boom done straight after blizzcon line within a few days you can play that would be the perfect marketing scheme from a marketing pr perspective um how how do you do that though with with the trials and everything would you allow stream uh, yeah, here these... we go right you just have that's where it gets a bit silly we're about to enter the silly zone here yes and unfortunately right. what it's going to mean yeah. is again speculative speculation here from me yeah. is that it's it's probably going to be a very internal kind of trialing and an internal kind of 
contract negotiation, scouting. You're not going to have open scouting. You're probably going to have a limited access to contenders players, if at all. Um, because I don't know how the trust is going to work. Like, can you imagine the nightmare, the legal nightmare of potentially giving access to young contenders players for Overwatch for an Overwatch Two client and being like, please don't leak this, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to legally bind them because if they these are these are kids, these are children. Um, sorry, you might be 18, but I still think you're a child. Like. Um, you, it's, you, some of them cannot be trusted. Some of them won't be, especially if you're a con, if you're a contender's schmo and you're like only on the outside edge. You're probably not going to make it. You're like, fuck it. What have I? What have I got to lose? I'm probably not going to get signed anyway. Mm. You, why not just leak it? What are they going to do? Like, what are they going to prevent you from playing Overwatch? You probably weren't going to make it anyway. Like, I'm not saying there's going to be someone that will do that, but like that world exists. Oh, where course, yeah. like there's there's a schmo who's like just on the edge anyway and he doesn't give a fuck because he's a young kid and he's dumb and he'll just leak it because um that you have to be very careful so yeah yes i i see the fair i see the fair where you're just not going to have enough people with access to the game to do good trials to do good thorough trials to see who's actually good at this game sadly that's just going to be the case now the only way i'm wrong on that is if there's more of an open testing period prior to the end of this year when i say that when i say open testing period i don't mean open to the public i mean open in the sense that it's 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 more open than like the super strict legal thing where like nda no leaks can't talk about it it might be more of a here's a for the lack of a better term closed beta but it's very specific it's more like a friends and family closed beta and you can just give it to tier two players you can just do that on and they can't share it maybe some of them will leak it but you take that risk but it's it's you're you're confident enough with the game at that stage that it's maybe not a big deal anyway but that would require the game to be in a pretty good state by the end of the year. Not even by the end of the year, by October. Yep. So what is that? Shit, that's like a month from now. Month. Uh, that's actually less than a month from now. That's how many days from? We're talking weeks from now, actually. That is three weeks from now. We're talking three weeks from now. You would need a game that is that is like closed beta playable to, to really get your contenders players in to try it out. The thing is, you're not going to keep... You might not have footage coming out of these scrims, right? Like, I think because they are very identifiable. Bro, you're absolutely going to have information. Like, yeah, of course. Somebody's going to say everything something. Everything is going to be known. 100%. Yeah. No way not. Like, journalists have too much access to scrim footage already. Like, it's just going to happen. Yeah. And it's not ideal if they do, like, the closed beta, like Avril said where they have, you know, very limited number of, you know, codes that are strictly for teams under NDA, you know, all kinds of protection. Um, it's not ideal, um, but that's, if I'm to be honest, I, I, I tend to agree with Avril. It's probably the most likely outcome um, and probably a reason why a lot of teams are going to be very conservative and, and trust in what they've seen in Overwatch 1, maybe even, you know, uh, sink more money into marketing and streamers and content side of things to try to cushion the blow of maybe having a, a rougher season. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's not ideal, but better than, better than waiting a year. Teams are going to be making some real gambles for their roster next year because yeah. they don't, they won't know who's going to be good on Overwatch yeah. 2. They will have to assume that the people who are good on Overwatch 1, the star players, will still be star players on Overwatch 2. That's what they have to assume. Yeah, because then you're not going to have enough thorough testing happen. 
because in my mind there's one or two things happening you're either going to have the access to a game that's under lock and key like this shit is under the blizzard fort Knox, you cannot get access or it's going to be a little bit more open and you risk some tier two player blowing the whistle on it it's one of those two i, I don't see much in between yeah i think like i already heard of course like with with the signing window opening 26th that's like next week right um yep. i already of course heard what some of the teams want to do next year some of those are very surprising from and this is by the way i'm not communicating a general trend here it's just from the teams that i've heard but mm. there will be even more budget cuts for those teams in particular right like they want to make like employ strategies to save even a little bit more money on the overhead um that they're getting right so well you can have six places instead of seven so that's a start <laughs> yeah 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 who's by the way i mean if you if six players is your minimum mm-hmm. two tanks is a must right yeah of course no 100 i disagree oh here we go i theorize this is gm avril talking yeah mm-hmm. uh my ideal team and look there's a there's a lot of airy fairy bullshit so you know strap in and bear with me here uh, but ideally, your team would actually be three DPS, one tank, two support. Uh, and the reason for that is I predict, and I could be I could be flat out wrong when I get when I when I see the gameplay on the grand finals, and I'm just gonna be like, damn, I was so wrong about it. But my theory right now for the game is I think it will be a very heavily DPS focused game. Oh, I think DPS agreed. will carry even a harder weight than they do in the current Overwatch, and they're gonna be mm-hmm. even more important, and they're gonna have to stand out even more. Um. That being the case, I, I put a lot more stock in having DPS depth for hero pools. Now, obviously, if you have like a profits on your team, you're good to go. Your two players yeah. cover everything. Um, but, uh, yeah. but the ideal situation for me is I don't think you want to have two tanks. And the reason for that, and this, that's a controversial thing to say, it's a hot take for me. Uh, the reason I, I think you don't want that is you want to have one tank that's flexible to cover enough roles to cover most of the tank if not the entire thing why a flex flex dps's have been doing that since the start of overwatch agreed yes i don't know why we're giving why we just give tanks a free pass that oh no, no you can just play your three heroes and you're good to go what excuse me no dps players will play like seven or eight heroes tanks should do the same thing what do you mean um, yeah i can i can only be able to play two heroes and get mvp run up what are you talking about i mean you're not wrong <laughs> not wrong <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you think Reeves' uh, stock shoot through the roof because he can play like Zarya and DPS and support? Okay, and here's the other th- problem: is like people are saying, well, like you know, that maybe I'm being unreasonable about my expectation for tanks here. Like, how so, Avril? How could you expect one tank player to do Diva, Zarya, Roadhog, Ryan, and Winston all this, all the stuff at the same time? I'm like, well, first of all, it's like okay, you can say that they're very different, but I can I can say that Genji and and ash are very different heroes as well and you have players that can play both I, well okay not like that's maybe an extreme example you have very few players that can actually play both to a high level um and those players They're like profit and even flitter but what you the ideal roster has one tank that covers everything because one of the mistakes i see even of watch one uh is that if you have inflexibility in certain rosters it really shows in your ability to not be able to move on the fly and adapt with compositional changes and when we get into the actual reviews of teams, well, I'm going to talk about that because I think Fusion are a culprit of that big time, where they get stuck into certain compositions they can't change because they lack the they lack the um, 
adaptability and they like the versatility and the hero pulls and the depth. Uh, for, for some part, Chengdu also like that as well on every play that's not called leave. Um, yeah. So you're going to get caught in a situation where let's say you have two tanks and mm. you end up in a meta where a tank needs to cover, you know, multiple different heroes, like as many heroes as potentially DPS would. Um, you, you need someone that's going to be to flip through a bunch of different stuff and you don't want to get caught with one dude that only knows how to play two tanks. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe the smart thing to do would still be to get two tanks for now. That's probably gonna be like if you want to hedge your bets. Yep. But I, I think the team that finds himself that like magical tank that plays everything, they're gonna they're gonna pound. Oh of um, course. Hundred percent. I I I agree wholeheartedly there. I think um I tend to be a little safer. I think if anything, rosters um by and large probably will be budget. Um, but there's going to need to be depth. So I think two tanks, three DPS. Yeah, that's the two supports probably. Yeah, it, like seven. If you can afford seven, I would I say think seven. You go for seven. Yeah, if you uh, agree. Yeah, seven. if you're LA Valiant style, like shipping them and you, you know the whole drill, then yeah, you field what you can. But um, ideally, I think seven to eight's a great, a great depth measurement. You know, having somebody. Um, somebody to sub at support somebody to sub at tank because i agree i've i've agreed with you for a long time with in regards to that conversation about tank i just don't know if really they've been tested or pushed that way just yet so i think we're going to need a little bit of time for a lot of the tanks to kind of catch up to what is demanded of them now well no um, tank has ever had to do that so that's that's correct joe they would have to they would have to adapt to that so it's going to um, take some time by the way, it's just Marvel. Marvel's the only player that's like that's right. cross roles. It's that's only right. Marvel. You get guys get ready for Marv two. Marv two electric boogaloo. He's gonna be your tank role star for. You know who I am calling up. I don't know if we have heard hide nor hair of him, but I'm 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 putting a DM out to Libero and seeing uh, if he's still interested. You can't afford him. He's too rich. Yeah, <laughs> he's making too much money outside of Overwatch to ever come back. I mean, what's kind of Ethereum is that? Yeah, he's, wasn't he like? Didn't he become like a, a coin trader, I professional know. one? Okay, yeah, no yeah. Clue. Maybe if maybe if Libero's down bad, you're like, hey, bro, can I get some? You got any more of that Ethereum, dude? I'm really down bad on Ethereum. You got any more of that? You pay him in like X amount of Ethereum to play. And yeah, I'm Johnny's sure NFTs. Yeah. Aside from that, aside yeah, yeah. from that, you know, I don't, I don't think he's coming. Um, it's disappointing. Actually, you know what? Oh my god, I'm here's the here's the real giga brain right here. Okay. I foresee. Certain DPS players doing a hydration and looking at a roll swap. Yep. Because yeah. if you're a, if you're a good flex DPS and you're like, tanks are pretty carry roll now. There's some good tanks out there because tanks mm. could look damn good, and you have the capability of being super flexible, learning a lot of stuff. You can do super well as a as a 2022 Overwatch two tank player where, you know, you're more of a DPS style tank anyway. Isn't that how tanks are going to be? They're going to be, be more DPS focused. They're going to be more brawlers, damage dealers. Um, I can see like a good flexible DPS players picking that up better than our current tank players in some cases. Totally. But all I'm saying right now is if you're if people might be listening to this and like, oh my god, Avril's just killed all tank players. He's just completely boomed all tank players. Originally, we've just boomed all the off tank players. Avril's just boomed the main tank players as well. I'm, I'm apparently I'm just deleting all tank players from existence. Everybody's got a job. Role, so I'm I'm doing a checkmate, dude. I'm doing a mayhem go. checkmate right now. <laughs> um. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't. I'm, I'm speculating. I'm just. I'm just putting some theories out there. I. Yeah. I might be completely wrong, and then obviously there'll be just be some good tank players who play everything. Like fuck it, dude. Gator played Sigma for Atlanta mm -hmm. Rain Looked before good. he went back to Rissa and Ryan and all that. Like he. He could be your dude. Gator could be one of your best tanks. Yeah. You know, Overwatch League. 
2022 Overwatch 2 because mm. he's he's he can he, he's shown that he's played a couple off tanks. So it's a lot of speculation, though. You know what's interesting that they didn't decrease the max roster size. Yes, I mean nobody's Why is that interested. I mean, you would like well, currently it's two uh, x six players. You would think agreed. it would be two yes. x, so ten would five. be max. Yeah, two x five is ten. Seems yeah. like um, Hangzhou or Dragons or whatever are they going to stock up to twelve still? That's I, stupid. I For a five v five game, you want twelve players. What are you What are you going to do here? What is What the hell? It's never stopped them in the past. To be fair, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, I on some level, I, it, but... I can see it from the league office POV being like, well, if teams want to spend the money, it's up to them, right? Yeah, of course. Um, even though it's kind of stupid. Uh, I, 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 think, I think restricting it to max 10 is probably like a good thing to do to prevent teams from overspending. But at the same time, it's like, on what level do you just like say, well, it's the team's prerogative. If they want to do that, they can do that. Yeah. Um, if they really want 12 players, they can go for it. I, don't, I think teams will be smart enough in their own roster construction to be like we probably shouldn't go for 12 players in fact i don't think a single team should go more than eight players i think the 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 biggest team size you should go for a 5v5 game is eight for a game like overwatch does that include two ways uh what are the two-way rules uh, two-way contracts allow players to compete in both overwatch league and overwatch contenders there's no limit to the number of players who may be designated as two-way players at any given time and two players on teams with no academy team affiliate are eligible to compete in contenders competitions via player loan agreements. Up to four two-way players may compete together on the same contenders roster in any given match. But it did say, and I repeat, there is no limit to the number of players who may be designated as two-way players at any given time. Correct. Does that mean you can just have infinite two-way players? I don't know. But you know what's hilarious? Imagine you're sitting there, you're an, an, an expecting like high talent Overwatch League player, and uh, in Overwatch 2, and the door swings open, and a kid comes in, and he's dragging his hand, and then slams his hand on the table, and he has a fat championship ring, and he's like, I'm an Overwatch League champion, by the way, and it's who are you? Nobody knew that who are you still existed. He's technically, yeah, I mean, Overwatch League champion. They're very uh, much... Can you imagine... Like, you develop imagine as well. Develop rock stops like, hey, I won, I won <laughs> Overwatch League in my rookie year, by the way. <laughs> <sighs> Easy. Didn't, didn't catch sweat. Never died. He didn't even play a game. Technically, he did. He actually did he actually did play did So he didn't actually play yes. Yeah. So what a what a powerful game. He just he comes into Shanghai halfway. He's about to win the season. Let's not get too far ahead of, ahead of ourselves. Any any final comments on roster construction um, in terms of how that's looking? Some speculation. What you think teams should be doing? What you think they might do? Um, in any general direction? By the mm. way, this whole two way conversation. You're assuming teams will even have academies. I, I don't oh, think I don't think they'll have academies. Really. I just think that I, they'll I, utilize... I hope they utilize the two-way, especially with how dynamic Overwatch 2 is going to be. Hear me out. Like, okay. with within conjunction to what we just talked about, how, like, the beta's probably not coming quickly. Like, they're not going to have a ton of time. If you see some prospects early on, throw them a two-way mm -hmm. contract. Give them a bone. You know, maybe they work out. Maybe they don't. You drop them anyways. No big deal, right? You, you can have as many as you want. Might as well. Obviously, budgets are going to be, you know, restricted, so it can't be, you know, ludicrous and go Sky Foxes with this shit. But, you know, there, there's some perspective talent out there. Throw, throw contenders a bone, oh. showcase. Yes. There's also a 30-day contract that's still available. 
do that. I'm not mad at that either. Yeah. I think I think your you, your teams are going to have to be very agile. I think the the good teams in the long run of Overwatch 2 are going to act very quickly and start to really try to make their mark on contenders early on in, in the beta or whatever we're calling it. Well, actually, that being the case, then, Joe, I, I think that maybe the ideal roster construction for Overwatch 2 might be you play the league minimum of six and then you you just save your budget sure, two I'm to three months down the line to see who's good in contenders and who's who's popping off in the game. I and you throw them some, uh, some 30 days or some two ways. Cool teams obviously have budgets for the year. I I would I would play that budget closer to my chest. Only pay for six players and just you know save enough money for maybe two to three more. I I think what, what this we also, commit to that. I I agree. I think what this also might imply is, and here's my hope. Right, I hope we just take a break from contenders, and in in the at the start of the year we Can't just do just cry it out. We no 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 actually we do third party tournaments with everyone or fine yeah if that's the case then whatever the contenders players were last year let's just if there's you know, ever, get them on ever a, a reason to open up and like get like purge people of the delusion that overwatch league teams are better than contenders teams at all times um, yeah it's the, exactly that window where even mm -hmm. in the overwatch league nobody has that, those illusions right like mm -hmm. it, it i think and it might actually into one sec. Like, if, if you need a ro full roster by January, you probably need players. I mean, why would you need a minimum four months ahead of the season, or even five months, almost? Because if, yeah. if what Hastro leaked in terms of April 22 is actually the start date, and start of January, like, four and a half months, why would you need that? Well, probably because there's competition there. And maybe you want uh, competition matches during BlizzCon line and all that jazz, and uh, please... Please don't make it Overwatch League exclusive. Like, open up these competitions so we can actually stop gatekeeping the most deserving players in a soft reset uh, game and find out who their best are. Otherwise, it's going to be clown shoes for Overwatch 2. And you might legitimately early run, on. run into a, a situation well, where the vast majority of the best teams are outside of Overwatch League. Well, this is where things get kind of wacky, because imagine you're a team that signed your six members minimum for the January deadline, you're playing these third-party tournaments in the open public, maybe, against everybody. And by the way, in terms of, like, these third parties, I, I think you can't truly have them until a beta goes more public, which I don't think yeah. happens until BlizzCon Line, which is more like likely a February date, for what it's worth. Um, but anyway, dates aside, you're looking at a third-party tournament in the April... Sorry, in the... Feb March kind of period before the regular season starts in April, right? Um, during that period, there's like that real risk where like you sign six players now, you're playing these tournaments. Maybe you get clowned by a contenders team or like an open team, and now you're like, shit, what do I do? Do I just can I drop my six players and get these guys instead? Like there's a there's a world where that's like kind of that gets kind of like silly. Um, I mean, I, I'm all for it, but that's that's chaotic. Is that's really chaotic. This is like a um a, a wacky timeline for sure. I mean, I, I, I want to see third-party tournaments, but I don't know what it's going to look like. Is it going to be Overwatch League exclusives? It has to be via an Overwatch League team. It has to be only Overwatch League teams, or is it going to be a little bit more open? At least, at least academies as well, right? At the very there's least. Like, there's like four or five academy teams total. Yeah, there's yeah. not many. 
I mean, it would add incentive to, for teams to maybe even just temporarily open the door of academy teams again, have and there's two a problem. squads full, fully trial through the open tournaments and whatnot. Yes, mm. good. You say add academy teams, and you, does that mean you're signing academy players as well? Like, what is that? Because mm -hmm. now you've doubled your risk. Now you've signed six players to your Overwatch League roster, yep. and five to six players for your academy. You just signed double the amount of players. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You, you just got two rosters now. Like, that sounds like a huge risk. I would... As a GM, I would not do that. That just sounds go 30 like a crazy. Days. Or it's 30 day minimum. And then you, like, the expectation, like, legitimately, of course, like, players get your back. And by all means, that's one of the things I would push for with my life that I'm not getting a, a short, um, like, period in which I can be fired in. Because, yeah. like, unless you're literally, like, profit, proper, pelican. Like Kevster, these types of hyperflex players, you don't have job job security. That's Thanks like especially. No. So you gotta like you gotta get the maximum. But from a GM perspective, I'm saying none of y'all for longer than uh, a period where I can get you out of my team in sixty days. Okay. Maximum. And I'm scrupulous about this. Like I'm not go going to go into that season with anyone sucking because they to no fault of their own, are yeah, misadapted to a completely new game. But, like... It's tragic, but... Yeah. I agree. Cannot afford to right now. You almost want, like... Ah, oh, this is kind of sucky as well, because you, you understand the subtext here. The other subtext here is they want players to be signed early, like, before between October and January, because they want to offer career security to players. Which I think is a valiant thing to do. That's a reasonable mm -hmm. thing to do. Because what you don't want as an esport is have your players go, well, fuck it. I might not get a contract until March next year. There's like six months until then. I might as well go play another game. Yep. Or I might just go join the military. Yep. I might quit. I might just quit esports. Sure, you, know? sure well, yeah. you don't want to do that. So I, I think they want to incentivize teams to give longevity. And by the way, longevity means you can't do these 30 days you skip. Because if I'm a good player or if I'm just a, a middle tier player, and I'm, I'm 30 days is not enough of a guarantee. Like, I, that's a big risk to me as well. I mean, you probably take it because you want to, you want to play, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it kind of mm -hmm. defeats the purpose of like having, giving an offering security to players to incentivize them to stick around. So there's a couple of conflicting things here where on one hand, you want teams to sign people early, but on the other hand, unless they can get the game early and have extensive and thorough trials on the game to find out who the fuck's actually good at Overwatch 2, there's a huge risk to the team. So th these two things are constant sure. and are in constant battle against each other. And sure. they conflict against each other in this discussion. I think that's where it kind of like holds a linchpin is like how or what information are we going to be getting uh, after Grand Finals? What information will we have? Uh, what will we have in our hands by BlizzCon Line? Um, and... I think that's going to really dictate how this offseason goes. We need information as soon as it's possible. Agreed. Yeah. Like, the earlier the better for, for everyone involved in the Overwatch League, right? Like, Because you're right. Players do deserve longevity. They, they, they deserve it. This league needs it. We need to start taking care of the players as best we can. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's about the information. It's for everything, though. Like... Yes, you can, and they, they, I mean, we saw, for instance, like, during the BlizzCon footage, we saw some names of the observers popping up on screen sure. during the uh, BlizzCon line footage, right? Mm -hmm. So, you want observers to understand the game. The problem is, you don't know what the game is. Like, developer gameplay is so far away 
from a pro play that you don't yeah. know what you're actually observing or having to observe. Are we going to go into a heavy flank matter? That might determine your entire structure of your observing team, for instance, and how this game is broadcast, right? Like, depending on what the new game mode is, we need an entirely new way to present that. So we have so many, like, cogs in this machine that we, we like, you can almost only figure this out if you get it as early as possible and get the hands of these professional players on it. Because... Things wildly change at upper skill levels for everyone involved, for the general managers and how you got to build your team for the production and how you got to present the game. You might even talk about like having to have different casting structures to, uh, to that, uh, sure. that theoretically. Like the entire, it's, it's such a wide ripple effect what the game could be that um, we just need it early and we just need to try our hands and try the Can best I approach. Dropping another piece of speculation here, some educated speculation. I have a firm belief, especially with the fact that the Hawaii build is already available and teams can literally play that as of tomorrow mm -hmm. on the recording of this. So as of day two of the playoffs, depending on when you're listening to this recording. Um, so being that there's already going to be a, a build available to play to, a, I would say, a pretty wide level. Like how many teams? Like eight teams could be playing this thing. Eight times six, and there's, there's you've got subs on the team, so eight times seven really is what we're talking about. Yep. Um, so what you're going to get, and that, and by the way, that's not even including staff. I'm sure some coaches would love to get their hands on that. So you're going to, you, you're going to, you're going to like honestly, eight times up to ten. Maybe you get like eighty people touching this game over the playoffs. Um, what I'm speculating is, I, I think it won't take too long post playoffs for all twenty of Watch League franchises to have some reasonable access to the game mm -hmm. so that you can then straight away get like two to three hundred people into into some sort of testing client straight away um it would not surprise me and i think that would be the way to go because I, I think if they're willing to give players access now that says a lot about how ready the game is to at least be played by these people mm. internally would tend to agree so yeah yeah um, and that that would be the hope as well and then um hopefully i can somehow snipe a copy and get in so <laughs> i'll just smurf my way in please i analyze overwatch i can be useful i can give good feedback please notice me team four um that is going to be a pretty detailed discussion actually about all that kind of stuff we're talking a little about the third party tournament stuff as well which could be kind of cool um Heading into a very short but brief but very cool uh, bit of content that happened over the playoffs, which was the MVP awards. Now, we've talked a lot about MVP awards on this podcast in previous episodes. Um, if you want to get more detailed discussion and you want to hear more detailed reasoning about why certain players were picked by us or not picked by us and other types of discussions in relation to that, there are previous episodes that are, are far more dedicated to it. We're going to spend a little bit less time on that today and just kind of acknowledge okay well you know what happened with the official mvp awards after all the voting has been concluded and after all the tallying has been done where has the dust settled and are we are we happy with it is anyone surprised is anyone upset is anyone uh or is everyone just content with where it landed so without further ado we had rush winning coach of the year pelican winning rookie of the year uh sparkle getting the dennis hawalka award and then the MVP, the big daddy, going to leave. 
So those were the four main awards. We didn't get Roll Stars yet, but we got those four. So how do you guys feel about those four awards being given out? Obviously, we didn't talk about the Dennis Walker Award previously because I don't know that there was too much to talk about. Yeah, that's a tough but, one. Uh, but um, really yeah, is anyone disappointed, or you guys? This is where we expected to land. No, yeah, I would say that uh, not mad at any of these as of yet. I think um, I'm I'm excitedly pessimistic uh, for Roll Stars. Um, I I'd like to be proven wrong, but I have a funny feeling that there is going to be some. Uh, some bizarre picks um i appreciate the league um at least putting an effort out when it comes to uh releasing the ballots i think yeah. that's worthwhile um definitely thumbs up transparency that's the word um but yeah all in all uh i stand by my writing um and i think we've uh you guys did a pretty bang up job well done all high five, Jessica. We nailed it. Boom. Yeah. Uh, you missed go. high five. It's yeah. fine. You did the camera. Uh, we, um, we, we also, of course, voted for the winners. That's why we won the voting, right? Once again, voting the for right the winner in Germany. Just vote for the winners forehead. Uh, don't you know that in your pickums, if you want to win $100,000, you just got to vote for the winners. Pick the winners. Come on. It's not that That's hard. a point. It is successful. Look nice. yeah. Only surviving bracket. Is your bracket still up? In Hell terms no. of the 100K? Hell no. I, I mean, had 100k requires 100k requires you have the map score exactly yes. right as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that got boomed for me after the Washington Dallas game. Ah. So I had it correct on Washington Dallas, and then it boomed after that. But you I can still I, have I, the boom. best bracket though. I uh, possibly. We'll see how that goes. Uh, back to MVP, Joe. Any surprises here? Any disappointments, or is everything just chill? Uh, I mean, there's definitely when it comes to the released ballots, um, there was some, you know, some surprises here and there. I think Izayaki got some votes, um, which was surprising, not, you know, unwarranted. Um, I stand by um, and will probably still stand by this in Overwatch 2 with all that we've said um, that moving forward, MVPs will probably need to be uh, or will have to be uh, DPS members unless tanks, unless there's a just earth shatteringly crazy um yeah i would say so i think that and this is a bigger topic than i think is probably worth getting into um but yeah i would say that from here on out i would be surprised if any supports or dp or or tanks uh win mvp i have an opposite view on that i actually think okay. with and this again speculation on how 5v5 is gonna play happy to be proven wrong on the grand mm. finals day when they reveal it um with good players is that i i think tank and supports will have far more impact individually the entire game for all five players will be more individually focused on how good your mechanics are which i think is the correct decision to go Agreed. as far as philosophy for game design um and that will give more ability for tanks and supports to stand out shine pop off guys like alarm can have big moments i would love it if main supports and flex supports both had big mechanical roles impact. to play rather yeah. than just like i am a heal bot herder you can actually do more like anna based you know mechanical prowess showing kind of things same thing for tanks you are not just big rectangle man hold up shield do nothing else shield bot me yeah. shield bot me no have brain you can actually do stuff now um and doing quote-unquote stuff allows you to stand out and and be you know uh a noteworthy plan before people come at me like oh you can already do that on Overwatch 1. I'm like, yeah, but you can do that way more. You should be able to yes. do that way more on Overwatch 2. Like, it shouldn't be so hard to be a fearless type player. 
Like he has to be so damn good. He has to be like the very best player mm. in his role to stand out the way he does. And it shouldn't be that hard. It, like it, it, when everybody in DPS can already do that in almost no matter where. Okay. Um, like fuck me, Milan running Crystal and the worst team of the Overwatch League can do that in the 20th place team just because their role allows them to do that. And that's what okay. tanks and supports need. Um, so speaking of which, I brought up his name, but Fearless is a, is a name that did get brought up quite a lot, uh, both pre, pre-MVP voting, uh, then during the MPV, MVP voting, and then afterwards we actually get to look at where the ballots land and who voted for who. It's a lot of Fearless voting still in, oh, and, and, you know, for good reason, I think we expected that to be the case. One thing that surprised me is that Fearless got more votes than Lip did. Because I had a feeling that yeah. Lip, from what I gather, my eye test was that a lot of people were going for Lip. Most of the people that weren't going for Leave were probably going for Lip, is what I saw. But a surprising yeah. number of people still going for Fearless. I don't hate it. I think Fearless is is a player that I still hold in high regard. Like, he's still one of my yeah. role stars. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I had felt like Lip had overtaken Fearless as well. But I believe Fearless got something like 14% of overall votes, and Lip was on something like 10 or 11, and then Leave was on about 49.6, very close to 50%. Um, but the the, story, the takeaway is that Leave dominated the voting as we expected, and then Lip and Fearless kind of picked up the rest. Profit got zero, and everybody else got between ten and zero. And I think that's the, the I think you look at this year and last year to kind of add a small rebuttal. Um, to my point around the DPS, um, I look at these you know hyper flexible, colorless DPS as you know your franchise all star. Pay them anything that they're worth to kind of hold on to them. Um, type of players and i think that's going to dictate um, not only team success but but you know award voting um mm -hmm. again i agree it very well could change what we with what we see and come grand finals but um with with what i have in front of me now i i look at leave i look at flutter um lip to a smaller degree but um statistically a monster um and way flexible way more flexible than i think we give him credit for um yeah, I think that hyper flexibility does a lot and uh, should be rewarded. I think he's probably overshadowed by the success of a lot of his teammates, um, probably to uh, not his credit, if that makes sense. Like he probably should be uh, valued way higher. Um, I, I I think Yiska really put this in my brain, but you, you really should treat yourself to look at his statistics. Mm -hmm. They are surprising, to say the least. Um, and that's just kind of half of his hero pool, if I'm going to be honest. Did was anyone surprised? I think we all we had all pretty much agreed that Lee was going to be the MVP. I think mm. we're not going to get it into a deep here again. Previous episodes explain it better than what we're going to do here. But Lee was the standout player, standout MVP choice, and um, obvious choice for most people voting, and that's what was reflected in the actual voting, uh, public and private, for what it's worth. Pelican and Rush. We basically all. I don't think we had that many. Surprised. I think Pelican was even more one-sided for Rookie of the Year than uh, Leave was. I believe Pelican was like a sixty percent plus or something like that. Mm. Like, it, like, yeah. Here we go. Uh, John Spector's tweet. Um, Pelican received more than sixty percent of votes for Rookie of the Year. No other player getting above ten percent. So he that's wild. Got a landslide on Rookie of the Year, even harder than Leave got it on MVP. Um, I don't know what it was for Rush, but there weren't a lot of. There weren't a ton of, there were enough coaches, but there weren't, not every single coach obviously got onto the voting ballot for, yeah. got onto the voting list for uh, Coach of the Year. Are we, are we pretty happy with Rush? I think we're generally pretty happy yeah, with yeah. Rush. That was easily my second pick after my, my little write-in, but yeah, I do not hate Rush at all. 
I think there's a there's a lot of um few good options. I think Rush is definitely a, a highest on the ballot. Um yeah. Moon definitely deserves to probably be a good shout. Everybody else is okay, maybe. Yeah. There's some definite names missing. Uh, I will say that. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And then uh, the final award, this is something we didn't actually talk about. Uh, I don't know if anyone's got any particular thoughts on it, but the Dennis Hawalka Award going over towards Sparkle. Now, this was actually quite difficult. When I've talked to other people, they, they noted that this was a difficult award to talk about mm. um, because there weren't a lot of like super standout, like here's your champion of the people, you know, real PMA guy. Uh, that was a clear, obvious choice. Like we had it all, the previous years with, I think it was Mickey Custard, then McGravy, who was the most yep. recent one. Um, and this year there was a lot of different names being thrown. I think a name that I threw in was Milan run just for putting on a smile, going through 16 yep. games, getting demolished on the LA Valiant and, and being able to smile through that. Like, God, you gotta, you gotta have the, a PMA, a titanium mental to get through that. Yeah. Um, I think of the final game of the season on game number 16, he, he finally buckled and I'm like, bro, I feel bad for him. I actually felt real sorry for him at that stage. Um, but this was obviously, no one voted for these that I'm aware of. It wasn't like, there was no pub, there was no public or, you know, ballot, internal ballot voting for Dennis Walker. I think this was just internally chosen by the league office. Okay. Oh. Um, and they went with Sparkle, which I think is reasonable. I, you know, I, I looked at him like, yeah, he's a very positive guy, brings a lot of positive energy, um, super likable. Mm. And I guess it makes sense. I, I don't I don't particularly have really too many other members or any other people that I think I would rather have that award. So I guess I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think um, I think it fits the bill um, from everything that I've heard from, you know, who Internet Hulk was and his kind of jovial attitude, I think, you know, definitely uh, probably is respectful of the pick, I would guess, uh, wherever he is. God bless. Um, I was kind of eyeing fearless, if I'm going to be honest, with, you know, coming out and talking about the, you know, Asian uh, the Asian hate and stuff like that and kind yeah. of sharing his story and being kind of public in that way, which credit to him, big respect. That's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of looking at him. Don't hate either way. Um, it, it's it's one of those awards that's like hard to miss. Um, you really got to try to mess that up. Um, and yeah, uh, don't hate it. Sparkles, super funny, super charismatic, goofy. I think it's a good pick. Fun fact, every single player who's won the Dennis Hawalka Award, including Internet Hulk himself, has been affiliated with Envy slash Dallas Field. Is that true? So yeah. it is. Yeah, Custa. Mickey, Custa, McGravy, oh, Sparkle. forget they had to trade him. Himself. They, they traded Custa. That's true. Yeah, he was on Dallas, yeah. and McGravy and Internet Hulk were both on Envy. Yep. So um, that organization under Hasbro has, has, has got the, the full monopoly over that award. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be on that team to win the award, mm, I think, yes. for, for future award winners. Um, cool. If, if we don't have any more thoughts on that, let's go into the, the real, what we're here for, for the actual us. show. Uh, you know, again, like an hour and a half later. So, you know, welcome to the official <laughs> podcast now as we head into discussion about what actually happened in the playoffs. So we're going to mm. go through um, all four matches in whatever detail you guys want. And then we'll be doing a bit of preview for how we think the rest of the tournament is going to go now that we have context to how the teams actually look and have performed. 
um, and how we think they'll continue to perform. A couple of um, things to go through as well is, is we obviously had our predictions from last week, mm. and some of them are intact. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm the only that still has 100% of my preds intact currently as of this recording after day one. Day two, I could be wrong. But day one, I'm still good. All my teams I thought were going to win, one, like I said earlier, it's simple, guys. You just got to pick the winning team, and I did. Um, so uh, we'll start chronologically. Washington versus Dallas. And I said specifically last week that I, I did not think it was going to be a true mirror mm. matchup the entire way through. Now, I'll cheat a little bit. Dallas putting Spark on the Doomfist is still mostly a mirror matchup, just with the Doom okay. extra right. in there. But here's the part that did surprise me. Dallas mm. didn't just play a lot of Doom. They also did a lot of ball. They actually did Traces on yeah. the ball for a not insignificant amount of time. Yeah. And it was yeah. okay. It was like, just, it was okay. It was fine against like than Justice. I'm not sure if I'm ready to pass an entire judgment, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think this, this played out pretty as expected. Um, very chaotic matchup regardless, just their styles in general, regardless of the composition. I think we know where they lean and where they, they succeed the most. Um, was going to be a bit of a shootout. Um, Justice taking, I believe, control. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns uh, moving forward with Justice. I think they're very clearly the worst team in the playoffs. Worse than Philly. Yeah. I think well, I'm well. I'm confused with Philly. I'm I'm a little yeah. underwhelmed, but yeah, I think Justice are. I don't have good things to say about Philly this episode. I'm sorry for any. Neither do I, but <laughs> I think Justice are just I, just a touch worse. Justice also, by the way, for what it's worth, didn't just play Lucio Moya. Everyone's like, oh, there's going to be a Lucio Moya. Team. Sure. No, no, they also played standard brawl, like any good in a in any good in a team would, you know. Pack this, pack their lunch for school. Yeah. Sit on the bus, get, get to the bus on time. Sit in the front row of the classroom like a good little NA boy. They played their Lucio Moria and they played their Ryan Lucio Brawl and they liked yeah. it. That's it. Um, Decay brought out a little bit of crease, a little bit of a old school. Yeah. Decay's sim was actually popping off. At various points, I thought Decay's sim was much better than Sparkle's sim. But the mm -hmm. difference maker for me was obviously Sparkle going on Dim. I think partway through, and this is also why Decay kind of stopped playing the Sim, and for people that don't realize, Sim gets hard countered by Doom because of Doom's ability to just access Symmetra on the backline and instantly kill her. Yep. A way that other divers like Tracer just cannot do. Um, and also having the ability to just counteract shields and punch through Photon Barrier, Symmetra Ultimates, and all that kind of shenanigans. Dive past Symmetra uh, turrets instantly with all the Doom's kit is beautiful for destroying this hero specifically. And when you have the best Doomfist in the world on your team, Sparkle, I stand by that comment, um, he makes that hero look both A, easy, and B, OP as shit. Yep. Um, couple more comments I made about it was, I think this is going to be the last time, not that game, but this tournament in general, that we are going to see Doom in its current form, because I think Doom's going to get reworked a little bit. Um, so enjoy it while you can. Okay. And I don't think this is a meta change i don't think this is a meta oh. evolution i don't think after this everyone's gonna be like, oh my god we should play doom no you let's get away with it because they have the best doomfist in the world i think there's maybe one other team that i think could get away with it and they've already done some silly stuff but we'll get to them 
Um, I agree. Drop the Bonus. name. We don't have to talk about them here, but drop the name. I think Chung Liu could. Who? Jinmu. Leave? Jinmu. Uh, I think they would... No, I don't think they will because I think Chengdu would rather play Farah into that matchup than the Doom. Consider the Doom is played into the Brawl Mirror uh, to specifically counter Asymmetra. And if you're, if you're Chengdu, you would I'd rather go Farah. That's more your bread and butter. Um... The only other team that I can see putting in any sort of time on Doom oh, is more damn. like Lip on Shanghai, in my opinion. Oh, um, okay. That's my honest opinion, because I, I think Shanghai are willing to go in that direction, potentially, and I, I trust him to get it done as well. Um, but... I will say, like, the way Sparkler was running through that <laughs> looked so easy, dude. Like... The, the amount of triple yeah. kills he could just got straight up got, and they had, didn't have any idea what to do. Like, I think, like, the less people that play Doom, the better it will be for Dallas, because you could just kind of pull it out in a, yeah. like, oh. like, if you think about it, right, um, who told me this? I talked to someone, and they said, like, they thought it was completely nuts that Shaw could win an entire season just being good on control, um, and, like, one other game type, and win the Overwatch League that way, right? And, like, if you're just good, or if, if you dominate, like, control, and then you need just one more map, and this one-off chance with Doom picks that nobody else plays against you in practice, yo, it's so easy to just get that one map that wins you the best of five, right? Yeah. It might not save Maybe you the best not. of seven, but, like, the best of five format is, yeah. like, super good for these types of picks. He brought this, Doom on more than one map type as well. This wasn't yeah. just like a control-only thing. Yeah, I think, like you said, it is an answer um, in the mirror or in a compositional matchups that look or act similarly in the mirror. Um, I don't suspect, and I could be wrong, I don't suspect that they'll be playing it um, if if their opponent, which their next opponent, will be playing Dive. Um, I'd, be, I'd be a little surprised if, if that actually comes out. So I think they're they have that tool in their back pocket to kind of shake up the the oh. mirror, and that's probably it. It's a good anti NA strat. Pretty much. I good. think this I think this this type of star from Dallas dominates NA, and and this is not new by the way. No no one look at this as I'm talking about and thinking like, wow, Sparkle and Doom never seen that before. No, you've yeah. seen this before. He's played this shit all season long. Yeah. He's pulled this out as a pocket pick at yes. every single stage. And Doom got a buff. Doom got a buff. His media strike resets his cooldowns now. It's a minor buff. Uh, I don't. Some people said it's OP. I'm like, that's bullshit. It's minor. It don't get, don't get caught up. You know, Doom's yeah. slightly better here. Um, his neutral gameplay is still the same. Mm. Um, fun thing I was watching, I noticed about Sparkle, is that he would, uh, especially on the control in the Lee Jung, he would swap the Doom after the first fight. And by mm -hmm. the way, Dallas do a really wacky thing where they then put Doha on the Sim, and then Sparkle goes Doom. So they actually swap two DPS. I think the correct thing to do would be to put Doha on a may keep the may and drop the sim entirely but that's just my opinion um and th so they swap it over and within one fight i looked at this and recorded within one fight sparkle would consistently on doom get 70 to 75 percent alt charge on one fight after swapping after the first fight so he's coming back second fight at a disadvantage zero charge ends that fight on 70 plus it's incredible yeah um and as i just look through like different bits of footage here and on highlights Sparkle's the type of player on Doom that will generate you a plus one out of literal thin air. 
This is partially why I think Leave is the best player in the world and why I rate Leave, Flitter, Lip, Sparkle, Yaki, these players super highly. There's more in there like Decay, so I'm not going to name every single player, obviously, mm-hmm. but players that can just give you an instant plus one. It's like, hey, would you like a player advantage? Boom. Sparkle finds it for you on the Doom. Yeah. It's instant, it's uncounterable, yeah. and you it's hard to play against. And I see Sparkle drop in on top of guys like Mag on Orion, delete him. Mag's on, yeah, Mag's maybe on 300 HP, but he's deleting a 300 HP Ryan, like, boom, like that, and then he's gone, and you can't punish it. He's just literally out of the fight. This is what the kid does on Doom. It's incredible. Yep. Um, I think my only other uh, criticism, I would say, is, uh, I mean, it's not even necessarily just criticism. I thought uh, Jexa had a, a sizable uh, support diff over our friend uh, with Closer. Um, I said it in the plans. I'll say it now. Uh, it's not great. It's not great. I think uh, unironic Lucio diff, yes. I, I do Sorry, believe who, that who was in my better? heart of hearts. Jexa, by far. Like, not close. I Can think decision-making was all there. Sure. Closer was better on Lee Jung. Outside of that, Jexa was better. I There was a couple... I, that's fair. 100%. I think that was more Dallas doing some... Uh, Doing some odd um, positioning, like but... closer actually got it. Like I recorded, he had something like seven final blows on on Lee Jung uh, mm. in the first two rounds. Jujex's two, obviously final blows isn't like that's not like the prime stat I'm looking at for sure. Lucio's or anything, but you know he died a lot less than Jexa. He wasn't caught out as often. He had a sound barrier up. Jexa was far behind in sound barrier because he couldn't do the damage and he couldn't stay alive. Which you know you could attribute to maybe the rest of fuel couldn't keep him up for different numbers of reasons there. Um, and it was so wacky, this Lucio matchup, that halfway through, I think by the second map, mm-hmm. I was talking to my chat, and just like, guys, did Closer and Jexa like, swap accounts or something? Because yeah. Closer was hard-gapping Jexa, and now Jexa's hard-gapping Closer. Like, what's going on? Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I think you look at, like, um, I think it was Garden's first fight um, on Lijon. I think Dallas rolls out, and they're, they have, like, this big concave where, like, half the team's on the point and half the team's just kind of sitting in the courtyard, and they're they're playing this rush. And it's like, you guys are just going to lose that, like, 10 out of 10 times. You have half your team not playing with a shield, and half your team is playing with a shield. Who do you think they're going to shoot? Who do you think they're going to speed on? It, it, it Dallas did not start this series very, very well. Uh, I was pretty disappointed, but ended strong, so I'll choose to remember that. I just looked into what uh, what Avril said earlier about like players that have the ability to just give you a plus one, and indeed, I mean, yo, like having looked at statistics early in Overwatch, like a good DPS player would get like twelve percent first pick, right? Now DPS players across the league have kept catch caught up a lot, so like the median currently is eight point three percent. But, bro, Leaf is sitting at 19.3% first picks. So in 20% of your average fights, Leaf just gives you a player advantage. 20%, bro, on all heroes combined over the entire season. Is that the next guy? Uh, Interestingly, next one is Mirror at 18.6. Okay. And then there's a gap because, um, like... Others, like, in, in that vicinity at the top are Kai at 17.4. Interestingly, Eileen at 17.4. Striker at 17.6. Like, bro, that's 17.6. Like, that's still 2% less than Leaf. 
Yeah. You understand how nuts that is? Like, we're talking about fucking striker here. Yeah. Fledder, 16.7. Uh, Where's Lip? Uh, that's Lip. 15.5. plays Somber. Somber. Somber doesn't yeah. have the same yes, capability to generate the, yeah. as other heroes, to be fair. Uh, what's interesting about that, Yeska, is that it's not just a plus one for 6v5. These players could also bounce you back from 5v6 into a 5v5 as well. Yeah, yeah. They can also even up a, even up a deficit. So you, we're talking about players that if you're if you want an advantage, boom, here's a 65. If you're down, you're you're now even again. Um, just shit like that, and and that's what we're looking at. And I I felt like Decay ended up being lost a little bit in this series because I felt like he was doing super well in the sim. Mm. Talking about Justice a little bit more because we sp spoke about Dallas plenty. Um, Decay had a great performance on the sim. Ended up being his best hero, and I think he went back to the sim multiple times after he realized his Cree and Reaper weren't that effective. I think Reaper's one of his other most played heroes this season, and it wasn't doing that much. Um, and Dallas Field even gave him some Ryan, some sorry, some Winston comps because Dallas Field was surprisingly flexible. As a team that I always felt like was inflexible, they were surprisingly flexible because you saw not only did they play Ball Tracer Sombra dive comps, the, the Shanghai Classic, mm. they also played some double bubble with Hanbin on Zari. And I, dude, I'm I'm a notorious Zari hater because I think. She's a poopy hero. She's not good. But Hanbin looked mega strong on Zarya and was straight up carrying fights. And obviously there's there's the coin flip of Zarya. If, she, if you land on the head, she's got 100 energy. She's farming up. She's crazy. But if you land on the tail, she's just a throw pick. She's a bubble bot. Zero energy. Just throws. It's completely useless as a hero. And that's why I don't like her because I think she's, she's too feast or famine. And, and I prefer heroes with a bit more consistency. Anyway, Hanbin rolled heads multiple times. He's like, Flip heads, flip heads, flip heads. He was just completely high energy the whole way through. Um, which when you're off of then pocketing Sparkle's Doom with the with a bubble from Harbin, you're getting some real work done. So there was that. Uh, Justice couldn't get past that comp. Wasn't super pleased with Bebe close today, especially I think Closer had a rough game, really poor game. Assassin was not on his signature Sombra. I think that's yeah. a problem for Assassin as well. Like this guy made a name for himself on a Sombra. And Justice just don't play any of those comps anymore. Like, why? It's kind of strange, right? Um, that's not to say they didn't go him at all. They still played Lucio, Moira, and Assassin will go back on Sombra. They weren't winning those matchups because Doha would also go Sombra, and Doha's one of the OG good Sombras in the league. Um, Sparkle's Tracer alongside that for Dallas Fuel. Dallas Fuel were far more willing to play an actual dive than yep. Justice were. And Assassin's main was just okay. He actually got picked by Sparkle's Doom a lot as a main, which I feel like was weird because you got a lot of HP as mate and you got a nice block and you still die. What? I have a great defensive too. That's that really shouldn't be happening. Be yeah. Honest. Yeah. Um kind of where I'm at with uh kind of hit the nail on the head. Like Justice just won't play dive. They don't see it being successful. I think this is like you said, this is the good NA boy team. They're gonna come in with the rush. They're gonna come in with the Lucio Moira. That's their bread and butter. If you take them outside of that, it's gonna look pretty tragic. That's where I look at Philly and I'm like, all right, at least you're willing to play. At least it looks okay. At least you're battling, you know, the gladiators on assault kind of close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Justice outside of that, it's it's rush shitty and it's it's bad. Any other comments on Justice before we go to the next game? Uh, I'm excited. I'm interested to see what that game versus Atlanta looks like because uh, I think it's okay. going to be quick. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so next chronologically was Glad's Philly. You you already had some thoughts about Philly here. Mm. Um, do you want to just start us off? Then you, you had some thoughts about Philly already. Sure. Yeah. Um, Glad came out 
Clyde's, you know, played what I expected. Um, it was very interesting to see Philly trying to take them into the Arisa matchup. Um, notoriously very uh, happy with uh, the Gladiators support line, being able to kind of take that matchup and do something unique with it with the double flex look. There's really not any other teams that can kind of match that. Uh, we tried to a little bit, um, then tried to move Asher onto Mercy, I think, at the end of King's Row, if memory serves. Um, wasn't really thrilled with their Reaper looks. I thought that was very pushed, very forced. Um, it really never landed. It seemed like they were trying to adapt mid-match, which is something I do respect and, and I commend them for, uh, especially against a team that, let's be honest, they're not going to beat. Um, so they, they tried a lot of things. I expect them to be coming into the loser's bracket, um, with some, with some things tested and, and some lessons learned, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was this kind of went as expected. Um, the only thing I can really give Philly is I'm glad to see shockwave on echo. I don't think he had a particularly good game. I think he got picked quite often. Um, and I appreciated their flexibility outside of that. Uh, glad's kind of handled business. As I expected. Bro, I watched that game through a bloodshot eye, basically, right? So don't take the following opinion too harshly. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But I okay. distinctly remember Kefsta getting in that ass and thinking, <laughs> Carpe is no longer an S-tier player, bro. Hang on. It, only, it, took, you, it took you until playoffs to realize that, Yuska. Yeah. Carpe is... the... <laughs> I mean, the thing is with Fusion, like, they, they had so much shit to deal with. It's, it's very yeah. easy to say. But, like, can you tell me, like, in the last stellar performance by Carpe, where you, like... Wait a minute. I can, actually. Okay. Um, for me, and my, my memory's limited, uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, maybe this is... Maybe there's been some more in there, but it maybe says a lot if I can only think of one. Um, and it was... Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was on it was on Blizzard World, and I believe it was May Melee. This was during the four zero run, yep. and Carpe on the Cree was hard fucking. He was on Cree, as you say, fine. Yuska, Still getting fine. in that ass. Yeah. Um, on Tracer, yeah, but that's like his one good hero. Yeah. I, I don't I don't trust Carpe on like any other hero right now. Yeah. Even his Ash is just like oh, okay. His, it's Carpe. Yeah, sorry. His his McCree was good again. Like he definitely was fragging yesterday, bro. Like neither like Rascal looked better, honestly. Uh, on Tracer yesterday, what? I thought. Um, he played, like, right. a couple of minutes of Tracer yesterday. Like well, They were all bad, so... Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like pick, your, pick your poison of bad there. It's, it's like, when you see it against someone like Kevster, he was eating them alive, dude. They're, they're, and nobody was keeping him at a bay in terms of, like, Tracer duels. He was just fragging yeah. out, getting stick after stick, like... I don't know, like, felt bad for Alarm as well. Like, Jesus Christ, he was... 100%. On Havana, oh, I think. Pff, wow. Like, unreal. Mm. You, guys have a, you guys had a really a lot of mild things to say. I, I was about to say to you, would you, would you like to go first before I go so you can sit at yeah. the table before I, before I fucking enter okay. that ass for Fusion? I'm about, to, I'm about to go hard. Here we go. I do not have good things to say about Fusion. I'm sorry the Fusion fans of this one, but this was a, this was a disgustingly bad performance. Um, and even the good parts of Fusion did not shine. Like Alarm, it's not maybe it's not even his fault. Yeah, mm -hmm. Kefster just destroyed him because you know he he was just Kefster just 
diffed all of fusion and there's gonna be the one dude out there who's like yeah but didn't you see that one time that carpe killed kefs in a 1v1 and elios yeah. I'm like bro that's that, one time kefs i got in there where dude. was where was that for the rest of the game huh one time okay was that good enough to win you the match no and it won't be good enough to win you any more matches after that either like what an exposure of how weak this dps line is when you have kefster rolling over any combination of fusion dps any combination you want yeah you can uh, at this point fucking throw all four of them on play play yeah. 10 v6 you need them you need them fusion yeah. you need them you probably still want to be kefster it's crazy um kefster is so good at video games though <laughs> jesus christ is this yeah. kid cracked dude Kefster's one of those plus one players i'm i'm yeah, i'm 100%. adding a category for players he's one of those plus one guys that will get you that that, that player advantage Bro, for you. like everyone Bergeron as well Bergeron is another plus one player on that hansa everyone always said in europe like kefster is different like as soon as you solve that he gets off his island you got yourself a player and it's true like yeah. now he like he even seems to gain some confidence in, in front of the camera and everything like the spell is broken this kid is now here dude and I, the only sad thing is i'm not sure when he turned 18 but i think he could have played one more season um right mm. like this this guy should have been in Overwatch League S A S A S A P right like the, the AI is learning he's becoming more and more human with each interaction. <laughs> he's so good, um, dude. <laughs> Oof. Um, not not just Kev, it's it's Bertrand. This Hanzo Tracer Joe, yeah. fuck me, dude. Oh my god, both these players. When you have two plus one players in your team, that means Fusion were minus two the whole damn time. They they were literally four v six. Because Kefs and Bergeron continually generated plus ones the entire way. Um, and you have a situation where, okay, what, what was the map that Fusion won? Because just because someone's going to be able to like, yeah, Fusion won, of Anubis. Fusion won Anubis. Yeah, you can't yeah. forget Fusion won Anubis. Right, okay, Lance yeah, had a map. strange and, and very uh, NA-esque uh, point B attack that just really never stuck. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll give that to you. I'll, you know what? Here you go. You can have Anubis. You have that one. I'll give that to you. Full credit where credit is due, right? Uh, that's the one nice thing you get out of it is you you got the Anubis. You hold on to that. And you hold on to it tight because that might be all you get. Because I have a three zero for Shock versus Philly, and that might come back to bite me in the ass. Who knows? Maybe Philly pull out a, a pull out a huge win in Shock and mega disappointing. Either way, somebody's going to disappoint. Um, yeah. What I'll say is, I, I think the biggest. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't necessarily think. Fusion DPS's quote unquote suck. I actually think Shockwave's a really decent player mm. and he's shown me some good moments. He's shown me good moments where he could be a plus one player, but there are lots of situations where you, and I've said this plenty of times about Fusion before, and they, they, they can't fix this. It's too late. They're not going to be able to fix this. They can't fix this unless they do some changes to their roster. But the, out of four players, they somehow have less flexibility than just like one dude on multiple other teams, like yeah, a Leave yeah. or a Kevster or a Prophet or a Fletter. And sure, I'm comparing these guys to some of the most flexible players in the entire league. Yeah. However, that's the standard, baby. Yeah, that's the yeah. standard you got to hold yourself to. I'm sorry. Yeah, is it unfair to compare it to Leave? Fuck yeah. But guess what? You're going to have to fucking play against him and he's going to dominate you. And that ain't going to be fair either. It's not yeah. going to be fair when Leave shits down your throat. So um, this is a situation where you have four players on DPS-wise who have such weird hero pools that you cannot make good DPS compositions because let's just bring out the fact that Rascal came in for Havana. Like, I, I see why he's done that. I know why Philadelphia Fusion have done this. What they are trying to do is, is Rascal's their best May. 100%. We all know that. We all agree with that. I think Rascal's May is really good. 
for the longest time, I've said he's probably got one of the better Mays I've ever seen. Um, great walls, good right clicks, nothing to hate about the May. The problem here is Philly run this brawl composition on Havana, which is pretty standard because you want to play for the, the spawn camp. Everyone sure. does that. I get it. Russell comes out on May, Carpe comes out on a Cree, and you're in a situation where you are going to full brawl, and this is like prime Philadelphia brawl. Um, the only thing they're missing is Toby, but you know, Funny Asher's taken over it now anyway, and I, you know, I don't hate that. I think, I think um, Funny Asher is great. So they're basically playing their May Melee team, and what ends up happening is partway through this game, when they're just failing against Los Angeles Gladiators on this dive comp that uh, Glads have, again, Kips is hard dicking them, Fusion realize it ain't it, but you can't change that because yeah. their four DPSs are so individually specialized in their four quadrants that if you are locked into Carpe Rascal, you can only play Cremay. What the fuck else are you going to play? Somebody will say, oh yeah, what about the what about the Trace of Genji, bro? It sucked. Yeah. It sucked. Rascal Genji, it ain't it. It was shit. This isn't 2017. It absolutely this isn't Kongu Panthera. Can't be doing that shit uh, anymore. It's your ACL don't work that way. <laughs> Real talk. The only the only guy on that team that have any confidence in being an absolute hyperflex and has demonstrated as much is Shockwave. I'm sorry. That's the guy I'm yep. plus running. Everyone else, yes. you gotta play for your slot, buddy. Like oh. that's that that's unfortunate. Like, and that is kind of sad for Shockwave season because I think Fusion season generally could have looked very differently if that kid had gotten there earlier, had more time to develop that and actually develop into a hyperflex. I don't think he ever gets close to um, Kevster in terms of like just the elite carry prowess, but he can be like 90% Kevster. I think that's fair to say. He would still need an elite tracer. You know what? The one consistent fact in all these players outside of Arns last year who did all that only on like a Widow Ash. Yeah is pretty much all tracer. these guys have tracers. Yeah. And when I say have a tracer, I mean like a good fucking tracer. Oh, yeah. Not some, not some, not Take some games. bargain bin tracer. Oh. Like, oh yeah, get this one on a discount. No, 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 no. This is top shelf shit. You need that black label tracer. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of um, funny. No, okay. I get, this is my profit moment, but like in a way, every, Every flicks. Listen, you didn't vote for the guy, okay? He didn't get any votes. You Zero didn't vote for him. None of the community voted for him. It broke my this heart, man. It broke my heart. Like, could have, could have one of you, like, other people that don't actually really care about that award that much and don't actually sit down for several hours to actually evaluate, go through stats, rewatch footage. Could have one of you, you given them him a pity vote, just like you know, because and like zero people would voted. For like, everyone else got a vote. Like, Hanbit got votes, Pelican got votes, Shy got votes. Like, could could any... Wait, Shy for MVP? Shoe, no, Shoe. Shoe is fine. Shoe. But, like... Uh, but, point being, if you think about it, the way Hyperflex CPS nowadays work, Profit was the first one of that bloodline. A, meaning, having the Flex CPS on lock... And yes, yeah. he didn't have like a widow or whatever when it was required. He did sure. never needed to play that though because he had Bertring uh, with him. But like having an elite tracer and then other elite picks on flex DPS. Now that's the requirement in the Overwatch League, pretty much, right? Like everyone else is yeah. like that. And no, Prophet isn't just a uh, a project DPS with a tracer because he also very demonstrably had one of the best ashes 
during the time. So that uh, clarify or like limitation to a zero pool also doesn't work. Generally speaking, Prophet will be a good player if you give him time to develop on a hero. As we saw, garbage on Echo last season. Now, arguably, top three Echo in the league. At, le very, at the very least, statistically. So, but every, every DPS player is like this, right? Like, you, mm -hmm. you start with a, an elite tracer and then you build up. And if you don't have anything, all of that, like, you can't just be... Real talk, I don't think uh, Striker would have even been that important for the Shock this season just because, like, yes, he has some other picks, not to, to the breadth of um, that is required at the moment. No, but and, I think... And I think other people caught off on Tracer. I think other people caught off on Tracer as well. Yeah. Fair. Yep. Fair. No, like, I think Striker's hard carry performance on Tracer, who he, he was very clearly a different beast, those days, even if he had continued developing, are clearly like he would have very clearly been in the league of everyone else. Not everyone else, but the top guys. But within like, like the S tier tracers, yes. maybe yeah, not yeah, of course. leading the pack, but within that pack. Yeah, yeah within Leaf, within Kefster, Prophet, mm -hmm. um, Flutter. Flutter. I mean, Lip doesn't play it as much, even though like his two hours were very impressive. Basically, he fucking yeah. should. Yeah. yeah, his two hours of stats give him like number one across the <laughs> he board. He really so should be. I gotta look it up. Not not that it. Maybe it's against like Valiant and Guagzhou, and we're like hailing him for his tracer nice. statistically. But those it's... numbers are different, dude. <laughs> like, yes, that's unreal. <laughs> he played like two maps of tracer, and he's just like, here we go. That's that, that's all. <laughs> Um, he, he actually brought out a bit more Tracer uh, in in the day one games as well, and we'll get to the Shanghai discussion uh, and talk about Lip in a hot second. But um, other thing I wanted to mention about Fusion is that this is and this is by the way the same thing Atlanta fell prey to. So this is more maybe of a compliment to Gladiators as well as a criticism of other teams like Atlanta and Fusion. Mm. Uh, and this is, this goes back to Countdown Cup, but one of Glad's best comps is his double shield Muse on the Orisa space on towards the Sigma, even though everyone knows space is for D.Va, right? And everyone thinks of Muse as more of a dive tag. Reason why this double shield works is A, they have Burgering on the on the Hanzo, and his Hanzo is I think I might just say top three Hanzo. Next to like next to Leave. I don't know who the third is. Mm. Like Leave Leave Burgering on to two of my favorite Hanzos and then yeah. whoever else. Um beyond that though, they then have I think the most important piece I think I've spoken about this with Glads before. The most important piece of the Glads double shield lineup is that they can play shoe skewed on a yep. BAP Zen. Yeah. And that does not exist on any other support line in the league and definitely not to the level that exists for Gladiators. I don't know how Deepay did this, but he landed on the fucking money. Yeah, multiple times. One of the Kevster, probably in a more expensive way. I don't know how much he paid for Kevster, but it's <laughs> worth every dime. Yeah. And then Skewed, who somehow is a flex support player that has a dynamite break. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, he's not a main support. He's a flex support first and then a break player after yeah. that, but he's mostly played break this season. So when you have Fusion on Havana saying, oh, we can just play Mana, Arisa, Hot Bronze with a Sigma and try and double shield you guys. Yeah, but Funny Asher can't do this in. And so what they ended up doing is so they tried the funny Astro Zen for like one life, he dies, and they swap straight away. He's just, he's Kevster like, like, really gets in that ass. Um, mm. like if yeah, gives the fucking wrecks after that as well. And beyond that as well, you also then have um, the other option that they tried was funny Astro Bap and Alarm Zen. Now that's probably a little bit more doable because mm. Alarm can still play a good Zen. Funny Astro is probably better on the Bap than he is on the Zen, definitely. Um, the, the other issue with that is like, yeah, but Kevster's still on Tracer. You know, the one hero that dominates that backline is Tracer. 
and you'll ask why well what about fusion could they not dominate shoes bap zen well no because they don't have a fucking good tracer player it doesn't exist so shoe skewed get to play this bap zen which is heavily favored in the shield mirror and gladiators just win the shield mirror. it's the exact same thing they did to atlanta and countdown cup it's like no one learned I just you don't. Can't, do not force this mirror because you're gonna get yeah. diffed. They, that's what They're was playing surprising together is so when well. they come out Arissa. Yeah, no, they they look fantastic. You can't really play Arissa into Glads because you get into that that jungle gym of okay, we'll go Arissa and we're gonna go double flex. What are you gonna do when your shield goes down in point two seconds, bro? Right? Like you you can't match that, and you can't so ignore you them. Just don't. You no. can't, dude. The way they coordinate windows now is just like at every given moment, there's a basically what it is now is you have a um, like what's the StarCraft unit called that can go, go invisible and launch nukes? Ghost. ghost. Like you have a ghost sitting there, like two ghosts, and they will launch nukes up on you, and you better kill them before that nuke goes off. Because these guys are like, as soon as um, Shu has, has window. These guys are teaming up and now throwing bombs on you. And if you're dealing with Muse at uh, that time, you're getting boned, my dude. Like, the amount of damage that backline is able to just, like, focus and fire out in that moment. Dude, yes, Fusion didn't have a great performance, but my god, like, Glads looked scary there. Like, that, that is a team... Uh, of course, we didn't know, like, how they would transition to this new meta in, in terms of playoffs. Like, it's a different meta in Counter and Cup. Also, like, the big dogs were uh, alleged to have, like, taken less scrim blocks and whatnot. At the same time, dude, like, I'm pretty, 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 feeling pretty confident about their chances at the moment. Mm. I, I like lads. I like lads stonks. They were already high. They, they shot up a little bit more. Um, I, I'm so confident in the Gladiators double shield lineup that I think they would beat dragons in this mirror. No shit. Uh, oh, yeah. no cap right now they would be dragons yeah. in this mirror matchup yeah and here's here's a caveat to that is dragons will never the dragons are smart they will Just never give play. you that mirror yeah. dragons are smarter than fusion atlanta fusion for some reason go opt into the mirror like what the fuck are you doing guys come on you cannot be this stupid um just uh what's shanghai not the shanghai are much smarter than that they will never give you that mirror instead they will play tracer sombra they will and they will penetrate your backline and shoe skewed on this babs in will actually get punished because the DPS duo of Flitter Lip have the capability to demolish a Bapazan backline. If you try and play something greedy like that versus Shanghai's, you're going to get dominated. So Shanghai don't have to ever worry about the mirror because they'll never give it to them. Um, but versus teams where Gladiators, like on Havana especially, but by the way, those yeah. Fusions map pick. Fusions, Fusion op opted to go to Havana. They went to Shuvana for a reason. I'm like, you guys, you guys don't want to win. You don't want to win today, apparently. Um, yeah. And it's just like, and then what they end up playing is like, they start on Brawl, they realize it's not good, and they swap off to like literally anything else. Rascal goes Tracer, mm -mm, not the play. Oh. Karthay goes Tracer, Rascal goes Genji, mm -mm, not the play. Um, the only winning play for Fusion is they dominate in the Ryan Brawl mirror matchup with Rascal and May. If they can't do that, they literally don't win. That's my problem with the flexibility or lack thereof on their team, especially in the DPS lineup. That costs them that because every other combination they can, every other DPS hero combination they can then run with who they got remaining ends up being ass. And it's also super predictable as well because you know if Shockwave's been put in there, he's going to be in the ash. Shockwave mm. is only playing ash when he's been put in, with the exception of a little bit of Echo on the side as well. So you know those are his two heroes. You know if EQ Osin, he's probably playing either Genji, Echo, or Sombra. 
Yeah. Um, actually, then. he doesn't even really play the Echo, so it's just Genji and Sombra, really. Yeah. The, that's what Ikkyo is going to be. Maybe the mild Tracer, but you're not scared of that. Um, they are the most predictable team in terms of what lineups they're going to run and what, what their team can actually execute. You can find and poke holes in them so heavily. And I remember watching this game live and talking to my audience on stream, and I was like, they're just getting not just like player diffed in certain areas, but they're getting majorly comp diffed. I actually felt like Fusion lost in the hero selection screen. Forget about playing the game. In the first 30 seconds of the game where they select heroes, lost in draft. just fucking give the victory to Glads right there. Just just, just, just finish. Just forfeit right then. You, you've lost this selection screen. It's done. That's rough. It was, it was rough. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know if the play-ins cushioned the blow for me. I was, I was very upset with how they looked versus Soul. I thought that was way too competitive. Um, and yeah, I think this was a difficult matchup and will continue to be a difficult matchup for a lot of people. I think Glad's is, is a weird puzzle to crack. Um, yeah. You know, what's you, know what's, you know what's sad? I, I remember saying this on stream as well. It's like, the way you fix both Soul and Fusion is you combine the best parts of both teams and then you finally have one functioning team. <laughs> you take the <laughs> DPS from Soul and you put them with Fusion and that's it. Uh, you finally have one functioning team between and two you have a good team dysfunctioning ones who disappoint their audience who disappoint their fan bases constantly yeah. um that's what that's like that's a sad thing that's with both of them that's why that's why the soul fusion spaghetti bowl is so epic because of where all of that kind of lands True. um but i i expect good things for glads fusion <sighs> all rough I don't know, man. I don't know. What can they fix in 24 hours? I don't think they can. They they can't, They couldn't fix it over the season. Before anyone says, what about the visas? What about X and Y? I, I don't know if that would have done anything. If hey, you maybe, got all your... But... I don't know if that Poco can help you. What is Poco going to do now? Yeah. That can get you a win. The problem isn't your tank line. The problem is your DPS line. You don't have any more. You have all four of them. If you had all four DPS at the start of the season, you'd still be running the same issues. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's the truth. I'm not so, gonna lie. I think I think this was just a stylistic mismatch, um, and we'll get into their later matchup. Um, I think it's gonna be a little bit closer than people expect. Um, any final thoughts on this before we move on, and we can actually talk about that matchup a little bit, or we can talk about the some of the teams involved in that matchup a little bit. All I have to say is I think Deepay gets a lot of slack, or not slack, but like a lot of hate. Um, for not putting up results with Glads. Um, but I think this season and the the trust that they've had with him for uh, four seasons as the only head coach, uh, to my memory, that has stayed with the initial franchise that he was signed with, um, deserves a lot of credit for this this Gladiator's success story. Um, I think you go back to the preseason, you look at the conversation around Skewed, it was an afterthought, right? It was it was him and Checkmate. Who's going to see more playtime? Who's the, who's the rookie? You know, who's the big the big win for either of these teams. And I, I think by and large, lads really knocked it out of the park and, and found creative yep. ways to use them and, and have done so. Yeah. Credit to him. Well done. Last thing I'll say on the glads as we move over the topic is that I, I think glads this year are the soul of last year where they make this miracle run into the finals, etc. Sure. except soul did that through a roadhog gimmick. And this year, Glads are doing it legitimately. This is genuine. Play, yeah. This is no gimmicks. They're doing it through just being the better fucking team. Yep. And they proved that already with a tournament win in Countdown Cup. They're proving that further by looking decent in Hawaii right now. There's no better time for Gladiators to peak. I have full confidence that Gladiators 
could actually be a team that goes into finals. And I'm, if I could redo my prids, I might put Gladiators in the finals instead of Chengdu versus Shanghai right now. I'm feeling sure. that good about Gladiators. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think Deepak's knocked it out of the fucking park. And unless mm. Gladiators drop the spaghetti now, I, I don't see any reason why Gladiators should not make a grand finals run this year. Anyway, that will conclude um, that, unless Yuska had anything to add, but maybe Yuska, nope. you can just start us off on match number three here, Shanghai versus San Francisco Shock, as one of the two people between you and Volomel here who uh, were heavily into, into Shock, and you were you were deep in the Shock scrimbuck, so where are you at on that currently? <laughs> ah, that one stung, dude. Ah, oh, that wasn't close. That wasn't close whatsoever. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's okay. So, of course, like as as people might have seen, I had an interview with Hanbin. I interviewed Hanbin and like asked him sort of the rhetorical question. Honestly, kind of a question that ninety percent of the time sucks. Like I hate asking it. I was like, hmm, maybe maybe there's something interesting there. So I asked him. Is Shanghai going to be your biggest rival going into the playoffs? Because, like, I mean, there's this rivalry over the season, blah, blah, blah. Expecting fully him for him to say, yeah, of course, they went to stage finals. They kind of took uh, a break and blah, 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 blah. And yes, like, Dragon's best team of the season so far. Of course, they are biggest rivals. All actual fact, he said, nope. He realized it was going to be the shock. Now, I took that. By the way, the, the, my reaction is the gen, my genuine reaction I had getting that information. So then I s went out and like just asked around. And apparently, yes, they were doing pretty well. So I took this to, or like, of course, once again, like these teams, the touching points of these teams. And when I said this, there weren't really like a large amount of scrims between the regions happening or whatever. So, um, didn't really know how these matters work together. Um, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Hanbin also mentioned that Ans was going to be like a turning point. He didn't play that much at all. Or did he play yesterday? He, know, he didn't like, play at all. He didn't, he didn't play, play a single map, no. That's, that's a weird one. Um, maybe that's a complete... Maybe that's also information that... I didn't follow that up with other teams. Um, and maybe I'm misremembering this, but that was a big surprise for me. Um, yeah, I mean, in, like, as we said, this is a masterpiece of a decision by, um, by Moon. Like, all of that made strategical sense in terms of, like, who's left to, to scrim, like, which teams do you want to take out, and everything like that. So, I mean, at this point, dude, like, if, if Shanghai isn't your favorite to win the season, like, I, I don't know who You're else would blind. it be. Yeah. You, like it's, it's, I feel like this hey, is, this is, we're doomed. Borrow my, borrow my glasses, because if you don't think Shanghai's a favorite, you, you can't fucking see. Yeah. You borrow no. my glasses, trust me. Um, Joe, defend your shock pick. You had shock winning this in the pick. Yeah. Um, I, for what they showed, I wasn't super disappointed. There is definitely some points where I was hands on head and very confused. Um, I agree. I expected more ons. Um, I kind of expected more of that May melee, like Ryan May, McCree type of uh, composition. Um, I thought that was going to be the thing that kind of surprised Shanghai a little bit, catching them off guard, making this a lot closer than what it was. 
Um, what we got was Dive and Lucio Moira, which I wasn't super thrilled by. Um, Shanghai is tried and tested on that. People have tried it. It don't work. Uh, I don't want know what you think you were going to do any differently. Uh, you don't have a super strong tracer. God bless Glister, but he just ain't it. Um, does not hang with the S tiers. Is a good good player, don't get me wrong, but is he going to plus one for you consistently like we've been kind of mentioning? No. Actually, um, by the way, okay. interestingly, he's one of the best plus one players. Like he also has a pretty good... Like overall he, or yeah yeah all, all heroes he he's deceptively good uh statistically which i will admit like he ju just doesn't stand out for me either doesn't, but yeah like doesn't seem right he doesn't didn't doesn't have an, show a business shanghai. for sure yeah, yeah. And, i think versus course. other teams you'll see it but not versus shanghai yeah yeah which is which oh. is to be fair right makes sense um very confused on their assault i'm not gonna lie uh hanamura was a pick and a half uh i don't think there is a good pick for shock there um, my question was more towards how they played it, playing dive on attack and then playing their defense like it could have been on attack, running the dive composition on attack, and then running the Ryan May Sim stuff on defense. Like if you erase the uh, side markers on who's who's attacking, who's defending, and you just look at the mid fight, it feels like this could have just been their attack, um, which which is very strange. Um, some decision making errors on control. I feel like cost them that. Um, it was it was close-ish. Um, but yeah, it Shanghai all day. Uh, um, well prepared. Yes. Yeah, can you say? I I have a couple thoughts. I start off with I actually so the first map was reasonably close. Mm -hmm. FD God actually came out big. I I enjoyed that FD God came out of Lucio. I thought that was something that was. Um, missing from the shock for a while like they for some reason just don't trust them on the lucio didn't fit with the team and number of reasons whatever it is um and then to kind of have crusty with the team come out and confidently say yeah we'll put fd go back on the lucio is a big sign of uh, of turn of um a sign of confidence for the shock to do that and i think he did well especially on the well map where he actually got some boops as well yep. um so just use the, the term well three times in one sentence love it as shock had their best map on that opening control mm. but beyond that i mean you're up against a team where you have to know that there are so many good options for the dragons first of all you want to play lucer and moira dragons are like the goaded team on lucer and moira they're better than dallas at it as proven by june joust like they beat they beat the best lucer and moira team like you could even say the inventor of that lucer and moira comp in mm. dallas shanghai turned that shit around in 48 hours and beat them um, and they don't even have to play it again. They're so good at it, they don't have to play it again, but they know how to play against it. And you see that defense on Hanamura where Flit is just on fire, and it's just like, you can't touch him. You can't touch a lip on his ash either. These guys are so far away, writing so much accurate damage on your face. Mm. Chalk were constantly minus one that entire attack, and they were relying on, I think, Glista Sombra to get some value, and it was just like, no, it missed. It just doesn't, it doesn't hit. You're going to have to catch both Flit and Lee Jagon. And then on top of that, you still have to deal with Fate, Live Void, and Izyaki, and it's just, they could not get any value. And then, like you said, the, you know, they go towards the Brawl, they go towards the Ryan, which gets, gets hard farmed by Flitter again on the Farah, and it doesn't take too long. To defend Hanamura, I will say one thing for Shock. In their defense, people people criticize them for taking uh, Shanghai to Hanamura. It's like, why would you do that? It's like a good map for Shanghai. I disagree. 
I remember specifically casting Shanghai Games mm. uh, during the season, and they had bad Hanamuras specifically. And I remember saying on castles like, if you're an NA team, I said this almost word for word. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but almost verbatim. If you're an NA team watching this right now, this is not a good map for Shanghai Dragons. They they do not perform their comp style well on this map. This is a weakness that they're gonna have to fix for X or Y tournament they're going to. It was either June Joust or it was Summer Showdown. I can't remember which one. Um, and lo and behold, I'm not gonna say that you know the teams watched the VOD and listened to me. They probably saw themselves. They don't need to listen to me. They can just watch the VOD and see that the the dragons weren't particularly good. And I I knew it was gonna be Hanamura as well because this is typically not why people might ask and typically not a good map for ball. Um, mm. even though on defense they ran it. All and this is the other thing you have to remember as well. People will only look at A in a vacuum and be like, well, it's clearly good for Shanghai. I'm like, bro, yeah. you we didn't get the B. If we got the B, it's a totally different game. A hundred percent a different game. You can't even play ball on B on attack or defense. It's like a completely trash hero. It's a very it's you have to look at a very different Shanghai team. They're not going to be able to run the Echo. They're not going to be able to run the Fire. And pretty much has to be you can't even do your normal Tracer Sombra um ball comp because ball's so bad there, which means you're going to end up with Winston. Shanghai on an Orissa or a Rhine comp or something sure. else, that, or, or the double bubble or Winston Nano, which is super weak. And I think if we go to B, Shock would have performed well. The problem is obviously it's not even, they didn't get to B. You know, they didn't, we didn't make it to B, so we never got to sort, see that. But Hanamura is bad for a dive team like Dragon, specifically because of B's design. The Dragons got so good at attacking and defending A, I guess it just doesn't fucking matter. It's and and I think this goes for Temple as well. Uh, this this flood of Farah pick on defense really is going to throw teams for a loop, and that's why I say Shock really doesn't have a good map here. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a weird pick. Again, I think stylistically, it, it's it's a weird puzzle, much like the Gladiators, to kind of figure out assault for a Dragons is is a little little puzzle box. Um, you have to play so differently to, I think, a lot of different teams that you'd be scrimming or practicing for or preparing for that. Uh, yeah, that's not something you have in your, your toolkit. I like Shanghai to a raid boss fight. It, figuratively, obviously, because they're fucking insane, but in a more literal sense, because I feel like there's different phases. Mm. And Shock going on this boss run, they didn't get past the Flit of Fire phase. Oh. You, you're like, okay, here's your boss run. And there's a bit of a reference here because Shock released a, a kind of actually quite cool content recently on their YouTube page where they played against a uh, workshop boss, which is quite funny mm. and interesting watch. Uh, they beat that boss, obviously, but Shanghai is just a much better team um, where they there's a phase of this boss fight where Fleta goes Farah and Shock just wiped time and time and time again and they couldn't get past him. And this is where we start questioning, well, where the hell's Arns? Blister's here, but they're not playing that much hit scan. Yeah. You'd have to imagine Arns is the better hit scan anyway. Would that have been enough to get past Fletter? Okay, maybe you get past the Fletter phase. Great. This raid boss phase you've defeated now. Let's move on to the next phase. You still haven't seen you they still got a Tracer Sombra in them. They still have multiple other picks. They've shown echo compositions. I actually showed some of that on King's Row. Mm-hmm. Um what else we have? We we have some Winston dives here. They can play the Lucio more if they really have to. Again, they showed they're as good if not better than Dallas Fuel in that composition. Like there's so many looks to the Shanghai squad, which makes them deadly. And Lip doesn't even have to play Sombra the whole time. He can go Tracer. He can go Hanzo. He can go any of the hit scans. Like, and, and that's just one look for Lip is just the Sombra. Like, you think he's just going to play Sombra? No. Um, yeah, there's just so much. And then, then you had the clear, I think everyone remembers, this was the, I think the best moment of the entire day 
is the Fletter Echo MTD against Super, where he copies Super's reign, pins Super, cancels his shatter, builds his own shatter, shatters the back line of the shock, and just wins the fight as a, as a duplicated reign. Um, that's that. It's 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 going to be a boring one. I hate it. I can't Did stand you... it. But this is going to be a boring playoffs. Do any of you guys have any thoughts on Super coming in instead of Smurf for the Winston? Um, it was a little strange. I think it probably is the safer choice, if I had to guess. I don't. On Winston. Um, Isn't that not era? specifically for Winston. Um, that's where I have to lean that the coaching staff maybe assumed Shanghai was going to throw some different looks. Um, because it is bizarre, but yeah, Super I think it's probably exclusively played it. Winston on Elias. Right. Yeah, when Smurf could have played it. Does anyone find that strange or one? That's where I have to assume that the coaching staff, unless it's that or like calm stuff, I don't know. Maybe they like super. Maybe he'd bring some intangibles. I don't know. When I when I I know that that's like a trap to fall into, but I I trust that these coaching staffs prepare enough ahead of time to pour into that being a decision that's made. I'll say that. Any final thoughts, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, I still don't think. Shock necessary is down and out now, but uh, I don't know. It's dragons. Yeah. Okay, like, you're going to look bad versus dragons. I mean, we said we, they wouldn't, but. <laughs> oh, well, we said they were going to do some different things, to be fair. But yeah, even then, it's, it's still so much of a reach, right? Like, that's, that's God, imagine Imagine not having faith that dragons would bend shock. I, you guys baited me. I feel fucking baited. You guys, you guys sold, you guys peddled that scrimbuck so hard for me that I gave Shock a map on the series. In fact, I gave Shock a bunch of series in the lower bracket that I don't feel confident about anymore. I mean, I um, think, <laughs> like, you, you might get some, like, you, you would probably feel better if Ants played more. Uh, that's, I think that's the way for them to get back onto a run, is, like, have Ants play more. I want to see more of that uh, I think into uh, they probably won't need it versus Philly. I'm getting a little too ahead, but there there's a look specifically on King's Row that I thought was actually pretty pretty successful. I'd say anti dive, narrow. Torb. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate the Torb. Not gonna lie, I didn't it's hate one of that look. It's yeah. kind of wild, but I I think this is what makes Nero good. I think Nero was the best performing player on Shock that day, mm -hmm. that match. Yeah, um, his Reaper was finding huge value. He's actually like Torb is not like a throw pick. A lot of I think I think a lot of teams might try Torb, but it still just feels kind of crap. But when I see Nero play Torb, he's just consistent. He gets damage done. This guy gets stuff done. Um, he can find plus ones on Torb, which is unique. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I, I I suspected that for me, the ideal comp for Shock to run would be an anti dive, but obviously you have Arns instead of Gusta. Yes, for the hit scan portion of that. That's what I was hoping to see versus Shanghai. They catch them on control. They make a snowball there. Shanghai's playing off the back foot. You know, it's a reach. Don't get me wrong, but that's that's kind of what I was envisioning. Not like the the sim okay. rush stuff. Final game, um, and this was our longest game and debatably our most uh, competitive game. Chengdu versus Atlanta, which were the full distance and included not a reverse sweep. But it needed, it required Chengdu to get two in a row from maps four and five mm. to get a win. And Chengdu and came, and there was a C9. Chengdu came through very 
very slowly on the first two maps, first three maps, you could even say, definitely yeah. the first two, um, and only start to pick up some major pace on the last two. I think it was Dorado Oasis. They look pretty damn good. Um, there was some mixed feelings here about Chengdu, really, because I thought they'd come in hotter. And part of me is like, I think Chengdu on the first three maps looked a little bit uncoordinated. They weren't mm. quite on the same page. They weren't quite getting there. And, you know, they had made roster changes. Farway was starting instead of Monk now. Nisha's in the city of Altal, and it wasn't for one map. It was for the whole series, um, which I thought was strange. And then they justified it later in the post-match interview by saying that Monk had apparently, or Farway had apparently performed better in scrims, which was like, all right, I see that, Roy. Okay. Rui, you can do that if you want. You can just you can choose who's done better in scrims. I mean, that does make sense. Um, you had Jimu getting shut down big time by Kai. Can we talk about the fact that Kai really fucked that series? Like, my God, one of the best. He's had a lot of great performances, but he really gave it to Chengdu. Like, I think that's been one of the most successful shutdowns of Jimu I've ever seen this entire season. Mm. I think it was a concerted effort. I think. He- 100% Kai got the ball and made those shots. Um, but specifically on King's Row, it did feel like Atlanta was very much uh, capturing the body, right? They weren't letting Rez's get off for free. They weren't letting, you know, that that space just uh, left in Chengdu territory. They wanted to kind of capture that body. If you're going to come to Rez this, you're going to have to really uh, answer for it. Um, and that that really started to change up how Chengdu had to play this, this head-to-head. Um, it, first and foremost, you need Kai to be able to hit those shots. So again, he's he's centerpiece he here, did. but one hundred percent. But this this felt like a great adaptation for Atlanta. I'm going to be honest. I thought this probably should have been a three zero. If Temple Nubis gets a lot, yes. If, if Temple's cleaned up and that C nine doesn't happen, uh, I agree that you should be pressing the advantage on these these assault maps as we've seen throughout this season. I love that. I think that's a great evolution to the game. Um, it you can't you can't let those up in these big games um i i really do think temple was was winnable is a strong word but i think that goes a lot differently and i think that impacts the series um knowing that you know you you probably could have done a little bit more there yeah but yeah i think the rest of it for chengdu um again you have a player sitting next to leave that is not named leave. We have DPS issues outside of that. I think hunters were, were fine for the most part. Um, it was just figuring out what DPS lineup they were going to play where leave was playing and who else was, was kind of subbing in next to him. Um, I mean, yeah. they didn't sub a single player. Actually. I think this is the one of the few times. No, it, it, subs. It's not the subs. It's the DPS. It's who is Jinmu playing? What DPS do you are we playing? Is it Junkrat? What did you, right? um, what did you have on this one, Jessica? I mean, okay, so to be fair, like, I was barely lucid uh, during the time that match. Had, it was like, I hadn't, I had, like, slept an hour, and then the match hit, I think, <laughs> half past seven was when, when th- that went 2-1. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like, it's a pretty important win for Chengdu, for sure. Like, um, getting that one is actually audacious in, in a sense, right? Like that, especially like Nepal and like, yeah, the Anubis uh, situation is like, I think in, in, in most multiverses, this is just a 3-0 and we're all like panicking for hunters. 
But now mm. they're actually still in the upper bracket, right? And that's that give, gives them time to figure it out a little bit. I was very surprised by the um, substitutions, to be honest. Um, I think even if you see proper results in scrims, I'm not sure if you're if you're trying like because think think back right like when did these players come in this season? Usually when you're out of options, like you're in a, deep in a series, like you're com you're not sure uh, your standard lineup has any chance. Were your scrims this dire that you we, had to pull that? You just give your starters a break, thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, my my thing is like. My subs would need to perform significantly better in order for me to have confidence that they on match day can outperform my usual starters, right? Because um, it's not like either Nisha or uh, Nisha more, but Fawei had like amazing amounts of practice and like experience in the Overwatch League so far, right? So, mm. um, yes. Especially coming in in a playoff situation, that's that's pretty mm -hmm. scary. Um, but yeah, I've never played a full series. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you win that one. It's, yeah, you you made the right call, right? Like I can't really argue with with the results, but I can say you got pretty damn lucky that that tonight happened. Can I defend? Can I defend uh, one part for Chengdu a little bit on King's Row? I think they, yeah, okay, you landed C9, but also Chengdu threw hard on King's Row by playing a Junkrat. Uh, let's be clear, they yeah. played a stupid composition, and their justification for that is they expected, that in the interview, they said that they expected Rain to go double shield and they were going to counter with a Junkrat. First of all, I'm not convinced that's a good counter anyway. Just put leave on a, just put leave on a Hanzo, put Jimmu on a Sombra, yeah. boom. Play that. What the fuck are you doing with a Junkrat? Like, yeah. Come on. And you know what? Let's say you actually counter the double shield. Ranger swap. They just swap to make your junk credit relevant, which is what happened anyway, because they never played double shield to start with. So it's a lose lose. It's literally a lose lose. Because the only way the junk rat works is if Atlanta is stupid enough to just keep bashing their heads against a wall against it when you can just swap. My, my biggest, Atlanta are going to be smart enough to swap. So my biggest like criticism of that pick was that they stayed on it. They stand on it for, yeah. I think, like, two fights on B, and I'm like, bro, you're not getting any value at this. It's, died, it sucked he on A. He didn't change. He respawned and jumped yeah. and kept playing. Yeah. Like, you can't make reads like that on defense. Like, teams at this caliber of play will abuse the fact that you can swap on attack. The attacker side has compositional priority, and they will they will make your your, your read pick, whether that be far on defense or Junkrat or God knows what Bastion. It's not going to work. Yeah. They get to choose what they fight into you with. So you have to give them yeah. a standard, very even keel look. Yeah. That's I, not where you get creative. I have an analysis for Kings Row, generally speaking. Um, and it's that on defense, first of all, Kings Row A is heavily attack sided. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is map geometry, map design, because of the respawn distance. Obviously, that's one. But two is attacker, re attacker uh, compositional counters so heavily favored where the defense at all times, and this doesn't just apply to King's Row for what it's worth, but this is a good example, is King's Row defense, you have to choose such safe compositions, because if you do any pocket picks, you do anything weird, it is so easy for the attacking team just to play either a hard counter or a soft counter, and you are fucked. So every team on a defense for King's Row A has to play super safe. Just look at what 
uh look at what shanghai did and you basically just have to do that just play a standard dive no frills no extras just a vanilla dive and it, it'll, it covers all the bases well enough and you just have to be a good team forehead um chengdu going junk rat is just like why take that risk yeah as i said even if you get the matchup you want you're gonna get it for less than one fight when atlanta rain swaps so it's just stupid it's just stupid so yeah. as much as people say like oh yeah they should have been a three zero and it would have been you know if the c9 didn't happen i mean okay well chengdu should have fucking not played yeah. junk rat on on king's row as well they could have easily so, started off with a stronger king's row but i don't know if that map like yeah, I think it could have been way closer, 100%. Uh, I mean, dude, I, it's not like Chengdu don't know how to play in Israel. They flattened Dallas Fuel on that map, just for context, in yeah. some showdown. They destroyed Dallas Fuel on that map. I'll, I'll admit, if you go to C on King's Road, it's probably not a good area for Chengdu, but A and B are phenomenal for them. Mm. Um, outside of, obviously, when they don't play Junkrat. This is, you know, that's the caveat <laughs> here. Um, yeah, that's bizarre. Oasis was, I think, the most dominant map. That was, it was a bit of a, it was a masterclass from Chengdu. You're far away on the Ana hitting that six leap dart onto Pelican. Um, you have such a good ball map, generally speaking, for Gaga. Yeah. Um, this is where I think Gator's, Gator's limitation on his hero pool starts to rear its ugly head around. If Atlanta were ever going to win this map, they could not allow it to get to Oasis. And before anyone says, well, what about, you know, uh, was, what was it, Ilios? No, it was Nepal. What about Nepal? Nepal is traditionally a good brawl map and not a good yeah. dive map. So of all the control maps, Brawl is probably, of all the control maps, Rain probably got the best pick on the pool. I don't know who picked the map, but Rain fucking got the dub here. I think maybe Chengdu picked it actually because they had a high seat. Yeah. Well, that's just stupid from Chengdu then. Because um, this is like, this is the best, I think, map for Atlanta in this, in this matchup. So they gave Atlanta a good pick here. So Atlanta got that, and they won that beautifully. Well done to them. Um... And then Chengdu then get Oasis for the final map because obviously Rain can't just pick Nepal again. You don't want to give him Elios. You don't want to give them Li Jung Tower. Even if you can win Control Center, you won't win Garden. You won't win um, Night Market. So for some reason, they go Oasis. My theory for Oasis is they saw the blueprint from Gladiators in their matchup against Chengdu. Gladiators got a 2 0 versus Chengdu on Oasis when Mew said he was really confident. Atlanta were like, well, Gladius can do it, we can do it too. The problem is Gladius can actually play dive, and Atlanta can't properly. Um, and on a big open map where Kai can't just sit safely and he's going to get hard flanked and hard dive by Gaga's ball, it's different. Kai, Kai did not have that. I think Kai in the first three maps was having a plus two performance. Mm-hmm. He was getting some mad value. And then in the last two maps, especially on Oasis, he got, he, I, didn't, I wouldn't say he got farmed, but he got targeted a lot. He died a lot. And he didn't have that value anymore. Atlanta lost that piece of the puzzle. And that was the, I think that was the keystone. I think once you lose Kai and you don't have Kai in the pocket, you have your, your options of beating Chengdu drop significantly. Yeah. So I agree. That's just what I noticed. No, 100%. Noticeable drop off. Um, and yeah, um, I don't know exactly how to even read this game, to be honest. Um, I, I like the rain in the first half. I liked, or I was a little uneasy with Chengdu throughout the series as a whole. Um, I am happy that Rain are still sticking kind of to their guns, playing what works for them and finding success with that. That's great. Same thing with Hunters to a little lesser degree. But uh, yeah, moving forward, this is this is going to be a weird litmus test for for a lot of teams. I don't know if I'm higher or lower on them. So. 
speaking of moving forward, uh, if we're all happy to wrap up on that as we start beginning to reach the end point of today's episode, which actually got along on a lot longer than yeah. I thought it would, uh, as it always does every single week. This happens, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a bit of a uh, preview of what might happen for the rest of the playoffs. Instead of just looking at the next game, we're not gonna go like what's happening between Philadelphia and Shock for the next game because by the yeah. time you watch this, that game might have already been played. So just generally speaking, um, where do you see some of these teams going? And um, let's start with the, the easy one. Is gonna develop. Which one's the easy one? Uh, Shanghai Dragons. Let's say. I'd say they're, okay. they're pretty they're, they're pretty easy right okay they good. i think Wait. they have a good game versus gladiators could actually be a, a grand finals preview by the way could they be. i i'll just say they beat gladiators uh they play either against dallas or Chengdu in the winners finals i have Chengdu going through just because of previous matchup uh history and then they beat Chengdu because of previous matchup history shanghai goes straight in the grand finals and then whoever they face i think shanghai just too fucking good in this tournament they win the grand finals yeah it's 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 a lock like this is as telegraphed as it's gonna get like there's no hiding this there's no what if the roadhog what if you know maybe london booms uh, what if the vancouver titans get their shit together nothing no this is a shanghai victory anything else would be a catastrophic astronomical batshit upset i don't know who Glads is probably the best choice that I've seen thus far to be able to do it. Um, and yeah, this is, it feels like an easy prediction straight to the finals. They're winning it. It seems very easy, very simple. Logic and reason. Hmm. I'm not sure it's that clear. I think this will be like that match in particular will, will be a banger. I agree that Sh Shanghai is of course like favored to win it all at this mm -hmm. point. I don't think he's, they are an, like, a favorite to the degree that I hear in your language. Like, okay. Um, I think Glads look pretty good as well. Sorry, who? Glads look pretty, pretty convincing yeah. as well. I agree Not that sure. this is like a probably grand finals preview, even though I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by what Dallas can do. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think almost all others, including Chengdu, yeah, uh, have sort it's of okay. like it, it's has three teams that can do it right now in my in my mind. Um, for the lower bracket teams, I think it's great that Shock gets like a breather, relatively yeah. speaking. Even though like Washington would have also been one, um, to just like find themselves again, maybe give hopefully bring Ants in more. Um, mm. Not a slight to Glister, but I think that's that's your win condition. Um, I think think Philly's just lost. I don't I don't know what yeah. could reasonably happen. Yeah, like not I, zero. I, but I, like, I give them a couple maps. I think their styles match up kind of well. Yeah, I think Shock beats them in any kind of dive map or matchup. Obviously, mm. that's not something Philly wants to play. Um, and I think Shock has a lot of priority there. Right, if they if Philly wants to play the NA style, Shock's very very capable and very willing to answer that and mirror that or take their look and adapt it to their own genes. Um, the difference is that Shock can play dive and their dive isn't bad. Mm. Um, I give Philly some maps here and there just from you know chaotic, the chaotic nature of mirroring. Um, but yeah, it's it's an early exit. It's a shame, but you, you got to give them. Well, uh, it's not it's not been good 
Their last few outings have not been good. Not convincing. Uh, not confident. Any hope for Justice? Can they make it through? Are they going to be a team no, that can no. make a good distance? Hell no. no. Talk about a bad matchup. You guys don't believe in the 1.3% Justice <laughs> haters here? Um, okay, they're up against the rain. Look, Kai, is, yeah. Kai Pelican is just too strong. I, I, Decay would have to... Decay would have to be a, a 1v11 player in this game, mm -hmm. this next game. I need to see... Bro, get get Assassin off the main. Don't play that shit again. Play what they're good at. Play Assassin on the Sombra. Play yeah. Decay on a Tracer or... Fuck it, even a Sim. There's two good heroes, right? Um, Decay's strangely not been, like, super flexible this season. I feel like he's just had, like, a few good picks, and that's it. Um, I don't know if that's him or if that's, you know, that's decision-making from management, coaching staff, whatever. Um, but Rain, I think, for a team that nearly beat Chengdu, I'm way bigger on the Rain. I, I can't help it. The Rain, I'd be foolish to bet against the Rain in that matchup. Um, and, you know, yeah. I think Shock and Rain eventually meet somewhere in the lower bracket. That'd be yep. my guess. I would agree. I mean, look at what Justice want to play, and I feel like that's exactly the the kind of team that you want to just feed Atlanta Rain. I, if you're talking about a break, like both of these lower bracket losers round one is is a breather. If that goes either way, like um, and what what I mean by that is like if it, if that's you know if Philly somehow wins or Justice somehow wins again, that's that's a crazy upset. Both of these teams are like very clearly, but. Uh, I would be, be shocked, no pun intended, if if Fusion or Justice can actually get it done in advance. I would be fusion genuinely stocks, surprised. Our fusion stocks plummeted. They weren't high to start; they plummeted because um. Sure. I gave Fusion two maps mm. versus Glads, so I didn't even expect them to win, and they disappointed me. They I expected them to lose, and they still disappointed me because I had a three-two victory for Glads, and Fusion only got one. So I was still disappointed by them, even though I had them getting a couple maps there. Mm. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it should be the highest seeded teams. Funny enough, this tournament so far has the highest seeded teams winning. Yeah. Um, and maybe that continues. Maybe that gets broken if Hunters can beat Fuel. I'm interested in Fuel, but I don't think Fuel have the same capability on their dive compared to the actual good dive teams like Glad's Dragon Hunters. I think yeah. the best dive teams in those three will make it the furthest. Um, which means Fuel's time is limited. They are on borrowed time this tournament. Um, okay, you played some stuff versus Justice. Okay, you beat the Justice. Let's not get too yeah. excited here. Uh, you're yet to play against a Hunter's level two. And this is this is assuming Hunters show up and don't play fucking junk, man. True. So assuming Hunters show up and play their real game, they're not stupid. Hunters actually play some Tracer Sovereign, which is their best comp. You know what? Shanghai put out the blueprint. They said Tracer Sombra, ball, best comp. And Hunters like, we might just not do that for three maps. What are you fucking doing, Hunters? Please just play Tracer Sombra Ball. Anyway, they do that. They're good to go. Uh, I, I have a, I obviously have a Dragons Hunters in the winner's final. Um, and my top four is still going to be some combination of Dragons in the finals, locked in and probably and definitely winning. I said probably. No, I think they're definitely winning. Um, and then a combination between Shock, Glads, and Hunters for the other three positions in that top four. That's pretty much how I expect the rest of the bracket to go. Obviously, depending on when you actually watch this episode, guys, uh, I might have been hilariously wrong by now. But based on the recording of this episode after day one, that's what I see. I will say I don't know. I think people are definitely down on Dallas after their initial performance versus Justice. I think you're going to see a different 
not a different look, but I think they approach and they should approach hunters very differently than they would the justice. Um, do I think you're going to see Doomfist? No, of course not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's going to be a little closer than I think people are, are expecting. Um, partly due to how close hunters ran Atlanta, that could have been, you know, some some bizarre compositional things, some some nerves, call it what you will. Um, I I don't mind Dallas there. I think there are some some looks they can throw uh, that do not revolve around ball as much as uh, they will probably try to run it. Uh, Dallas running ball. Oh, probably don't do it. Does does anyone have a different top four than me? After after not not your original prints, but after seeing day one's games, does anyone have a different top four? What's your top, top four? four? Right Dra- off again? Not in not in particular. Only sure. dragons and number one. The other three yeah. in whatever order. Dragons, hunters, shock lads are my top four. Does anyone not have those four teams in your top four? Yeah, I have Chengdu over shock. I said not in that particular, but yeah, as in you have a different set. You yeah. have a team that's not one of those four teams. Dragons, Hunters, Shock, Glads. Yeah, uh, yeah Dallas over Shock. Dallas over Shock. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I misheard you. So you have Dallas over Shock. Yep. Joe? Uh, I agree with Shanghai. I agree with Chengdu. Uh, Dallas, Hunters, Shock, Glads. Um, ah, fuck. I really did like Atlanta. I thought they did play really, really well. Yeah, I'll say Atlanta. Atlanta. I'll say Atlanta. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Dallas? Atlanta would have to. Atlanta would have to go through Justice, which they can do, and yep. the next game would have to be either Gladiators or Dragons. Keep that in mind. They would have to beat one of Gladiators or Dragons, which means if you want to put Gladiators in then. your top four, one of Dragons or Gladiators cannot be in your top four. Yeah, that's true. The way that that bracket would work out. Yeah, that's tough then. Just in terms of power rankings, I, don't have I would put in Atlanta, but yeah, the bracket definitely makes that incredibly difficult. Um, Yeah, Dragons, Hunter, Shot, Glads. I'll, yeah, I'll take that. So you are you dumping scrimbucks here for shock? Yes, go. You you're on the, the fuel train now. You're fueling up. I don't know what happened with Ants, and until I find out, um, he's going investigating. He's got his detective hat on. <laughs> or like we see some signs of life, or maybe maybe I just misinterpreted whatever uh, I got to hear. Um, but yeah, like I don't I don't see it. I I don't see an attack vector. I'm also kind of curious why you guys don't rate Dallas at this at the moment. I I think getting have... a win versus Justice is not giving me enough yeah, to work no. with here. Um, I'm not. I think enough. I think they will beat Chengdu. That's going to be a Chengdu dive shootout, if, but it's dude, tough. only if Chengdu decide to lose. If they play stupid yeah. shit and they are just not on board, I don't know, if they played bad compositions and not what they're good at, then yeah. I think I think either Hunters win or Hunters cho- uh, like do stupid shit and lose. The, the, who wins this game is dependent on what Hunters actually do on the day. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's just my read on it. I, I, what I've seen out of Fuel's Dive does not give me enough confidence. It's, yeah, okay, Fearless jumped on a ball. Hooray, yeah. he did that versus Justice. It's not it's not enough. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean think of like all the prominent like dive compositions, like the Tracer Somber Ball. Um, you can throw in like Echo and a flanker. It's nothing that Justice or I'm sorry, the Dallas Fuel really jump out and like are S tier at. Um Chengdu 
they are. Um, the question, like Avril said, is what are they actually going to do? What are they going to actually run? Um, I'm not confident that Dallas is going to stop with the ball. I don't think, I, I think it's a bait for them. I know that they've tried to work on it. It ain't there yet. Um, it hasn't been there. And it's not here for the playoffs. Um, that does kind of pin them into Winston. And let's be honest, that's a little slow for where we're at in the, in the season. Um, Sparkles Tracer has been good domestically, but is that something you want to count on against some of the best teams in the world? Probably not, right? Same thing with Echo, same thing with Sombra. It's, it's just not there. It's good, but it's not great. Um, Chengdu has some chaotic uh, energy to him this, this playoffs, but in a vacuum, it's, it's not a good matchup. Dallas, to me, are the perfect anti-NA team. They, they count it NA hard, yep. but they can't beat APAC. Yep. Unless it's obviously fusion, but it's true. Sure. Um, Jessica, we'll end with this. There is a possibility of a shock versus fuel head-to-head in the lower bracket. Would you would you take fuel in a head-to-head, or is it just more like you feel the overall strength of fuel in the tournament is better than shock and not necessarily in an actual head-to-head? I mean, an actual head-to-head, for the reasons that you said, I'm taking fuel as well. Um, based on what we saw. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, of course, they didn't have a great, as we coined it, reflector in that first match. Mm. I don't know why I would be too down on uh, on fuel at this point, though. I also think there's, I a, can see that. there's a great opportunity to throw. Like, <laughs> does nobody think it's super weird, like, how big... Pine was all season like hyped. I, to oh be fair, God. they didn't even talk about it themselves that much, and they were just asked. But you know, that's it's still a thing that could happen. You know, I got it. I got it. I got to timestamp this. Yep. The final thing we talk about, uh, we're basically done now, is Pine Hopium for the Dallas Field. And let me let me lay it out for you guys. And again, depending on when you watch this, I'll either be hilariously wrong, or you'll have already seen the Dallas game anyway, and you'll know whether he played or not. And if it was good, I think the best opportunity for Pine to play a game, no cap, is going to be versus Chengdu. Why? Because you need to answer Jimmu, and I don't think there's a better answer to Jimmu than copying what the what Kai did and just going hard hit scan. The only other option for you is Sparkle's got to come out onto an Echo or a Fire and try and match him. Um, and, and so, look, and that is a good option for Field, don't get me wrong, but I think if there is one one area where Pine is going to find his mark and going to find an opportunity to play, it's literally versus Chengdu. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hard pass on the Copium. Um, I really don't think they've been scrimming with him. I think we probably would have heard it by now if I'm going to be completely honest. He's literally in Dallas, not Dallas sure. in Hawaii. Yeah, uh, you can, he can be there. I I don't think you just throw him in there. I don't uh, think they've had enough time to prep with him. I'm not sure if, if, if he is absolutely required in order to beat Chengdu. I think um, he's not. I should, no, he's of course he's not. He's but is option. he going to show up? Probably not. I mean, that shit would be epic, though. If you, you, we can yeah. all agree. Like, if they make it to a winner's final by, like, Pine Why, coming in for the big like, boss the, coming in the last two maps, maybe like half reverse sweep that shit. Like it would be an epic storyline. Yeah, would be, be a insane. sweet one for uh, to send Overwatch one off as well. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean but... the script writers would have to be overtime for that one. He does it on Elios. Yeah, the original. That'd be, that'd be even better. The original oh, map. He does it on Elios. 
and he yeah. just brings it out. Be fun. I'm, I'm here for it if it happens, but I. I'm not saying that's their best hope. Don't don't get me don't miss of course, words yeah. in mouth or anything. I'm just saying it's a good option for them if they want to go towards it. Sure. Uh, so that's it, and obviously, uh, so that's going to be episode one ninety three, done and dusty for the week. The next time you see us will be obviously in the following week when playoffs will have fully concluded. We'll know who the champion of Overwatch League. 2021 is the final champion of Overwatch 1. We'll have the show match Overwatch 2 done and dust as well. We'll be talking about that as well as any other news that pops up in that week. Um, and hopefully there's maybe a hidden announcement or some more gems in that grand finals. Um, and, and following the, the week after that, we'll be into full Overwatch 2 news or discussions, maybe some Ross debating as well when you know contracts are opened up we're heading into free agency uh moving into october so lots to get through in there in terms of who's moving where who's doing what and all the good stuff so uh enjoy the rest of playoffs and we'll see you next week for another episode of tcp